Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It's December the 27th of 2023, which means it's time for the last Weekly Manga Recap of 2023. How's about that? We've made it to the end of the calendar yet again. Yes. It's thought it put many pages in our way, but we fought through them all <laughs> and reached the end. There, Yet again. Yes. There are obstacles. You know, it's not always easy. Uh, Boruto uh, put us through the ringer a lot this year. Uh, <laughs> you know, Kagurabachi, that's sort of, you know, we survived. We survived Kagurabachi. Uh, that's what happened. We did not run away from that confrontation. <laughs> no. We met it head on, defeated it, left it in the dust. Yeah. And it's done. It's uh -huh. dead and we killed it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this this was uh, us. We met it on the battlefield. Uh, this was like a Rocky movie. We we faced our our, our foe head on. This is like uh, Rocky three. Like we were terrified. Clever Lang, uh, but uh, Mickey died, which was uh, our taste, and uh, we decided we had to fight this foe head on. And much like everyone remembers in Rocky three, uh, Rocky said, "Actually, I don't want to fight this guy," and he removed the fight from his. <laughs> His calendar intervene champion. And cancel appointment. All right. That started dusted. Take that, Club Lang, you piece of shit. They're like, you know he's still champ, right? No. No, he's not. Not champ. Fuck you. And they were like, well, what are we supposed to do? It's Rocky. We can't can't deny him. And that was why that's the best rocky movie you know yeah they didn't make any more after that actually <laughs> every other every other there's been other rockies but those are all been like uh by different studios completely unconnected They're like so rocky 4 has no connection to rocky 3 it's just a completely there's a robot in that yeah. clearly no yeah it takes place like, in the future think about it alternate timeline he ends the cold war yeah i mean come on there's they fight a country called the ussr Look on the map. Do you no, see that right now? Mm -mm. <laughs> Rocky Five. He goes back to Philadelphia and is broke again. Why would a franchise go backwards in terms of narrative progression? Okay, clearly not connected. It's like the uh, the split timeline in Zelda. We got to break down. <laughs> it's a lot of see this. <laughs> You don't understand. Ocarina of Time is this timeline. But contrary to everything you think, Majora's Mask is actually on the other timeline. The fact that the, the two share characters is completely unrelated. That might actually be a true part. I, I have no idea about The Legend of Zelda. Uh, I was about to say Mythos, but it's all more or less fan-created, right? Like, haven't the uh, creators of Zelda kind of constantly I refuted that there's supposed to be any real connection between the games? I couldn't tell you. Okay. Uh, uh, honestly, I think that it's shown up in some official books, like the timeline thing, but I don't know how official that is. So, yeah. oh, there's an official time. Wow, there you go. All right, um, that's exciting, Nick. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> uh, Rocky Five is when Link shows up, uh -huh. and but it's not the same Link as in Rocky Two. So uh, because this one ha is uh, like Zelda's his sister. So it's very different. Yes. All right. That's fair. I like that. Um, yeah. All right. Let's talk about manga, Nick. We have so many. We should probably start okay. talking about them. You do um, have a lot. 
we were we have My Hero Academia again this week after it was off last week. So I guess we'll start there. And what better way to start than with uh, a literal baby? Uh, and yeah, it's it's baby uh, who got blown up real good by yes. Bakugo uh, in the last chapter, repeatedly, in fact. And uh, we start off with you know all from one thing to themselves like I, I can still get it. I just need to I just need to get to Shigaraki, transfer over to his body, and I'll be good. I and he admits to himself that the big thing driving him is that he just wants everyone's eyes on him forever. Everyone must look at me and worship me and stuff. Sure, but he's a baby. Yeah, so he's, he's, a, just... he's a big ass fucking baby right now. Well, he's a regular size ass fucking baby right now. But yes. Well, is, wasn't he a he was a huge baby? Was the thing from a couple he flashbacks was. ago? Yes. Well, I don't know if he was really big or if his brother was just malnourished. Ah, okay. He does look even even in this wide shot, he does look kind of big for a baby. Yeah. So he's crawling along the round, not doing so good. Bakugo is still on his feet, although you know, coughing up blood and everything still. Uh, and he was like, "Shit, I've I just threw everything I had at this guy." Um, and he starts to collapse. And he's like, oh, God, I just need a little bit more. He's clearly about to die. I, I just, damn it. And he starts to fall. And he remembers saying to his boyfriend uh, <laughs> that uh, being able to keep standing through anything makes you crazy strong. And he plants his feet just as he's about to collapse. And all for one realizes, oh, no, he's not done. He's going to keep on exploding me and looks very scared for a second. Uh, Bakugo says, like, yep. Yeah, almost lost my feet but that's not gonna happen i gotta have absolute victory uh all for one resorts to the first quirk that he ever stole uh his mom's quirk launches the spine straight from his mouth uh and can't even like talk now it just goes wah but it has to be translated <laughs> yeah I-, I love the little details of like no get away from me stay back wah uh, i'm gonna go with the old standby the mouth spike <laughs> you know that's the way the babies do yeah uh and for a second it looks like he's managed to spear bakugo in the face but nope he uh caught the spike in his teeth and also blew it up (laughs) it's like there had to have been better ways to have neutralized the attack but there was only one way bakugo was ever going to neutralize this attack and yes catching in his teeth which we know he brushes regularly. We know that he That's right. he, he explodes his teeth uh, of cavities, basically, uh, and then exploding it after he's caught it. it. It's just very on point for the character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and All for One starts screaming, uh, going, no, 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 no. And also, hate, 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 uh, as his body turns into a fetus. Uh, and is he's fading... In his inner world where all the quirks are, there's a brief moment where Hawks says, oh, the stolen factors returning to their former owners would be a nice bonus for them, but that's not how it works. I was like, I get why they have to do it. I think this is the right call to like not be mm-hmm. like, oh, once I've defeated that, everyone gets their quirks back. It is weird the way it's like started to be phrased. I guess it's not 
based on the way you would like lay out the pages it's not meant to be like a cliffhanger but for a moment you're like oh but then you like turn the page you're like that mm-hmm. but in the book that's it's not like a page turn it's just the other side you just be like yeah the end of it it's just kind of a strange little bait and switch there for like a hot second it is a little bit weird uh the fetus turns into a zygote the zygote turns into a single cell performing mitosis and then completely fades away and all for one's fucking gone there we go. <laughs> gone <Finally>. no trace <laughs> get out of here <laughs> uh what a way to end the year <laughs> all for one's dead 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is, it is, and it's extremely satisfying for him to finally be gone, and he went out like a complete punk as a crying baby who tried to do one last dead effort to kill Bakugo, and then it still didn't work. Uh, so now Bakugo collapses. Uh, he's, all right, that, that was it. And he does feel like, shit, oh, I wanted to do All Might's pose. <laughs> Big dork that he is. Uh, but he's collapsed on his back. He still holds his fist aloft. It's like, go get him, Izuku. Uh, there's, okay, I'm going to be frank. I don't know why we get the sequence that happens <laughs> in the flashback. I don't know why this happens here. I don't know what we learned from this flashback. I it think is... that I've read it four times, and every single time, my mind started to fall asleep while I was reading it because I was like, well, it's an action scene next, right? No. Explanation of stuff. Oh, okay. It is, I guess, a reminder of the details. It's weird because, like, yes, we as an audience are able to be like, yes, I I remember specifically about the school and how you were like, we have to keep them off the ground and all these little details. I guess it's just to, like, show the gravity of all this. Like, Deku knows that he's like, hey... Uh, once this guy gets to the ground, shit is bad, and that's where he is, so shit is bad. I guess just as a way to, like, kind of remind us of, like, the stakes of all this, and that Shigaraki's kind of the real danger in all of this, because he has, (laughs) he kind of doesn't have any moral guidance anymore, (laughs) right or wrong, he's just Annihilation. We are basically reminded of the difference between Shikaraki and All for One, which is All for One is a fucking idiot who mm-hmm. is selfish and obsessed with toying with people and making them worship him and toying with and all this stuff. Whereas Shikaraki just like, I've got a quirk that lets me disintegrate stuff, and I will disintegrate literally everything. What if in I disintegrate yeah. wide radius? What if I just so, disintegrated everything? What if I just disintegrated the Earth? Why not? So, uh. And, yeah, of course, this decay can spread out to who knows how far and can hurt people even in all the shelters that they're in. So they need him to not hit the ground, and uh, he's on the ground. Uh, So we get into the fight between Deku and Shigaraki, which is the last thing to do in this massive battle that we've been having play out over the course of the last year plus. Uh, Shigaraki acknowledges like yep my master's dead Deku was thinking about how he's just barely keeping pace with Shigaraki at this point by using you know half the quirks that he has through the lineage of one for all uh but Shigaraki reflects like yeah my master's dead uh and uh yeah it's on me I didn't kill that kid hard enough before 
but yeah, I'm kind of grateful that I didn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, Shigaraki goes for Deku, and Deku is able to slash through his fingers so that he can't grip him and use his decay quirk on Deku, even when like the hand lands on him. Uh, and Shigaraki's like, oh, well, okay. But uh, problem here is that uh, he's somehow through all for one stolen one of the quirks in one for all uh-huh. he's stolen an aspect of it and bondo is the one who realizes it that uh, shinomori and his dangerous sensibility have been stolen by shigaraki so now this is a big problem because like well shit well if deku was just came up with danger sense and now shigaraki's got it instead what's he gonna do yeah and this is uh like probably the coolest one to take because of how mm-hmm. dramatically it makes Deku seem a lot more vulnerable and then makes Shigaraki seem a lot more untouchable. You've basically given this super awesome, amazing bad guy Spidey Sense on top of it, and now our hero, who just literally had his life saved by the Danger Sense quirk, is now without it. It's 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 very uh, suspenseful. Mm-hmm. So this does add a nice little wrinkle to the structure of the fight, that's going to be going on uh, right at the beginning of, of the thick of it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's not going to be a lot we can get away to at this point, unless we, you know, want to go into explanations of stuff that I thought we kind of established previously already. So yeah. All for one's dead. Yay. I think it's cool. Uh, you know, we're, yes, we are finally done with all for one. <laughs> the long uh, nationwide nightmare is finally over uh, or a long national nightmare, whatever it is. Um, I'm not at well. It's weird because I wasn't jazzed at all, really, for all for one. I thought he sucked and should get his punk ass kicked in a lot sooner. Uh, but I do find Deku a little bit more difficult of a protagonist to get behind than like Bakugo, who's just so full of personality. Um, I, I still think it'll be cool, I, but there is a level of like, I, all right. That's, that was a lot to live up to, because I didn't give a shit about that villain, but Bakugo made that fight work. Uh, so now it's time to see if this Deku-Shigaraki fight can live up to its, you know, long-standing hype. It definitely also helped the Bakugo confrontation that that definitely was like, you know, this is the end of Bakugo's character arc. Yes. You know, he's he fully realized, he's, he's fully realized the image of, like, being a... a top hero after a lot of people had put their faith in him putting it all together and he did and you know he was he did after a big heroic sacrifice to protect Deku and everything but it's like this entire time that we've we've had Deku here he's just like the good guy Mm -hmm. uh, because you know all of his growth and all of his self-doubt and stuff we finished that up you know a couple years ago at this point Uh, so now he's just kind of there Yes. He's not going to throw any big things right now in this fight until we get to the point of him trying to pull off the thing of trying to save Shigaraki in order to end all of this. Uh, but right now, they're just fighting, and that's not really coming into play at all. Yeah. Uh, all right, Nick, let's talk about Undead Unluck. This is going to be number 189, Julia. We get a color page. 
It's very, very cute. Uh, in you know, the, the, the number one seat is highlighted in the background. We see Juez meeting a very nervous Foucault for the first time. And then we see more current version, which is a very confident Foucault meeting a very nervous Julia. Uh, it's very, very cool. Uh, and they're striking the same poses as well. It's yes, very nice. Yes, I really, really like it. Uh, there's a lot of cool sort of uh, connection between these characters that we start to explore in this chapter. We open with Julia talking about a beautiful person she sees in her dreams who is strong and pretty. And sometimes it's like she's the princess of a story. And sometimes it's like she's the hero. But her presence feels somewhat fleeting. And we see different shots of sort of this core union team of Juez, Victor, Nico, Gina, and uh, Void a couple times. Uh, and, uh, you know, we see them casually walking around. We see them in combat. It's, you know, it's a, it's a good group of people. Uh, but she's woken up out of her uh, sleep by her roommate, Anna, who, as I reread this chapter, I was like, does this fucking character ever get a goddamn name? And they do. Like, ha- like two chapter pages from the end. They're like, okay, her name's Anna. Um, so her roommate Anna is like, hey, you were talking in your sleep again about this, you know, Juez person. And she's like, oh, did I say anything? Like, just, you know, that you wanted a beer and just, she's super cool and all these sorts of things. Like, you know, Juez, Vic, something, I don't know, I guess those are names. But you should have a doctor check this out. It's kind of weird to have the same dream over and over again. And she's like, mm, maybe, but I have a feeling it's a very important dream. Cut over to fancy, fancy school. Uh, I don't know. I don't think they give it a name. It's a fancy school. Uh, and people are going to. Welcome to YA High. Yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, it has a lot of gothic architecture. Uh, the students are talking about teas and uh, fancy business plans and all this sort of stuff. And we see, <laughs> we see Sean who's like, this place reeks of rich people. And I'm like, fuck yeah, it does, Sean. <laughs> Get the guillotines. Uh, we see that Sean, Gina, and Chikara have all been enrolled in this school. And they're like... Team, team convincingly teenagers, yes, basically. <laughs> team actual teenagers. Uh, and they're like, oh, like, all right, our job is to kind of infiltrate this school and find this person. Um, but, you know, they're like, without... Fuko here it's gonna be tough and they're like yeah but we kind of know Fuko can't handle this after how she acted during Chikara's high school year yeah. and we see a shot of her trying to argue with Nico that she should be allowed on this mission she's like I can be a proper young lady too and she has one eye squinty and her, her fists are closed and he's like no clearly you can't yes I can no you can't <laughs> <laughs> um so they're like, all right, well, how do we, you know, prove it's her when her name and face are different and everything? Like, what are we going to do? And Sean's attention and Gina's are, are pulled away because they hear someone go, oh, I'm so sorry. And they see this, this, this girl who has a whole line of suitors in front of her. And the person who she's apologizing to is like, oh, no, I mean, I just didn't want to be a bother. And she's like, oh, no, absolutely not. I just can't see myself in any kind of serious relationship, but I'd like to still remain friends if that's okay with you. And she gives like this big, charming smile. And she's like, thank you so much for all the wonderful love letters. And Gina's like, wait, is this a line of people people. who are giving her love letters? 
They All say, right, kids, step right up, take a step your spot, and take your shot. You're gonna get. It's not gonna work, yeah. but line up. Line up for the line of rejection. She even notes she's like, "There's like a hundred people in this line. This is crazy." Uh, and at that moment, they're like, "Hey, where's Sean?" And he's popped up in the front of the line, and he's like, "Ah, oh, Sean Dats. I can't. I couldn't convey my my feelings in a love letter alone. Please go out with me." And I'm like, "You didn't." You, you didn't write one. And You're he, like, fuck you, Sean. He's so confident in this. So he's this shitty green. He's like, you rich, spoiled idiots. You have no idea how to charm a person like this. A love letter is not going to do it. It's all about being a man and taking action. And uh, Chicago- ladies, man, Sean Dash. <laughs> that was his character trait. Being yeah, popular yeah. with women. Yeah. <laughs> Iconically. Uh, I do like this note that Shikaru is using unmove on Gina to keep her from like, just pummeling him. Um, and in, in this moment, uh, Sean is just thinking to himself, he's just like, you know what? You got you to stand out. That's the way to do this. That's the key to the game. Sorry, Shikara, but my first girlfriend is going to be super duper beautiful. I'm leaving you behind. I don't know. I don't know why exactly he's, he's apologizing. To, to I think the idea is that they're both like teenage boys around the same age. So, and they've neither of them have had a girlfriend so that he's just apologizing. I like, don't worry. I'm going to have a super cute girlfriend and you're not. Uh, right. Sorry. We can't be loser single, single boys together yeah. anymore. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, and Julia is like, um, who are you? I don't remember any of you, like, you from any of the letters. Sean's like, wait, holy shit, she's read all of these letters. Uh, and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I must have, like, dropped your letter somewhere. I'll go so, and I'm going to go and look for it. Uh, so pure. Yeah, she's very innocent. She does the whole thing. She's like, I'm so flattered by everything here, but I, I, I can't accept, but I would like to be friends. And Sean just retreats in shame. He just disappears. He just he just turns invisible and walks over to Jakara and he's just like, well, I'm so sorry, brother. <laughs> I left you behind for a moment. Um, but they know, they're like, wow, that's really amazing that she actually like reads and remembers all of these letters. It seems pretty likely that she's a good person even though she just looks like an ordinary girl. Mm-hmm. And she seems really happy, too, which kind of makes this harder, like, because we're going to be taking her away from everything. So that's not great. Uh, at that moment, though, she's contacted by Nico and the group, who are like, hey, things have changed. Investigation's off for a moment. We need you to leave the academy and reconvene with Fuko and the others. We cut away to julia who's training with her her roommate anna and they're they're doing you know dueling and anna's like damn you surpassed me in no time flat i knew you were a natural and you know again julia's very nice she's like no i owe it all to your training and she's like but like you know is this like the best use of your time like what about studying i mean didn't you say you were going to be a politician and that you were going to write all the world's injustices and I love it because the version we see is she's doing the exact same face and pose that Fuko did when she's like, I can be a proper lady, where she's like, ah, I know I can correct all the world's injustices. Uh, and she just says, she's like, I, I did say that, I guess. Um, but the thing is, every time I hold this sword, 
I feel like I'm a little closer to that person I admire. And she's like, oh, what, you mean like the Juez from your, your dreams? And, uh, you know, maybe uh, you were a hot-headed swordswoman in the past life. And she's like, no, that's not what she's like at all. She's She's very cool. But I would like to understand how she became as strong as she did to try to understand the vision of justice that made her so... And they leave, and I guess this facility is, like, in the woods. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like it's un- Unconnected to the school, like, very far away to justify. I, they get attacked by a monster, and no one from the school yeah, comes to help. So it's like... I, I don't know exactly why this very fancy-schmancy academy that clearly has, like, an official, official fencing club, because she was in that contest yeah. in the previous chapter... Why they have to go a mile off campus. <laughs> into the into the middle of the woods. It's not even like, oh, it's a separate facility. Like we see them in just like a forest clearing. So like it's just like some building in the forest, I guess. Um But she's basically oh, it's because she's like, it has to be done in secret. So I guess it's a secret training facility or whatever. Right. Uh, but they are both interrupted by a UMA. Rising up out of the ground, Nick, it is gold. And uh, it is gold. I do, I do like it. It says, Sorry, brother, I'm first in line. <laughs> um, this creature shows up. These, these two uh, ladies are both like, Uh, what the fuck is this? Uh, it's like, Perfect students here, brother, tell me. <laughs> uh, and it, it, it does something, which doesn't affect Julia, but it does seem to affect Anna. He says, mm, I hooked one of you. Now tell me, brother, where in this school can I find unjustice? Jewish Duark. Is that how you say that? I'm not really sure. It's all <laughs> Frenchy and stuff. It's all different, brother. Uh, and just like, wait, uh, Juez, why is that name? And she's like, I won't, I won't tell you, but I know the name. And they're like, Anna, what's going on? What's wrong with you? And she, she's like covering her mouth. She's, she's trying desperately to not say something. And Gold is just taunting. He's like, what are you resisting for? Spit it out. Like, you're already a prisoner to my golden wiles. If this is enough, I'll just give you as much as you want. And it's literally just like leaking gold and like trophies and chalices and all this you know this wealth essentially is just leaking out of this creature as those like s- like sweat or whatever um and you know it's it's clearly getting to Anna who's not able to control herself and Julia steps in front and says stop I know her she's this long haired woman who wears a mask but if you wish to know any more you must face me, Julia Eustacea, <laughs> in a duel. Uh, just what a great name uh, of this character. I, I love reminding myself of it. Uh, and they're like, okay, but like, we gotta go. Like, you can't do this, Ju- Julia. Like, this is like a 30 foot tall monster. Like, sure, yeah, sure, surely we should escape and go find somebody. Yeah, level eight fiend with an underwhelming effect for how cool his art is. Monster over here yeah. uh, is <laughs> gonna kill you guys. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, only like a twenty two hundred uh, eight star minion uh, creature, and it's it's like just has an effect that's like it's like tra- something like oh, trap cards can't be activated at the end of your turn or something. It's like oh, if you remove a fiend type monster from your graveyard, then this card gains half its attack power until the end phase. It's like yeah, but like that's what like at best it's gonna be like four thousand attack that's not very high to start off with come on and it's like what it's just gonna go back down to not having very high attack uh during your opponent's turn so it can get run over really easily come on guys and no no destruction protection come on (laughs) can't do that this these days anymore (laughs) uh well gold uh, has agreed says you got yourself a deal (laughs) immediately raised weapon uh to go crush her because uh, she is saying to herself, look, if I can't stand up for my friend in a moment they need me, then what even is justice? Uh, but before uh, Julia could be cleaved in half by a 30 foot tall golden axe, uh, bad bullet 70 strikes it in the back of the head. And then uh, the creature falls to the ground. A big crush is, uh, as Fuko and Gina tag team combo attack it in the back of the head and fuku asks well gina and gina says yep she passes i see the similarity for sure her off the wall levels do resemble our bosses yeah uh yeah uh, getting cleaved in half by golden axe is very easy if you don't go into the menu and uh, up your life uh, per you know it burns if you lose your lives really quick quickly yes. if you don't do that uh but this is a fun chapter uh it's a great uh, reintroduction to juiz or i guess just introduction to this new version of juiz julia Uh, i think that there are some really inspired bits here i love the turning you know the, the playing with the oh she's really popular and gets a lot of romantic confessions thing by highlighting using it not to highlight how popular and beautiful she is which that the series does acknowledge that repeatedly but to acknowledge like oh she's actually just a really dedicated nice person that twist where sean is like oh i'm just gonna cut ahead in line and she's like i don't recognize you from any of the letters i've read she's like wow she's actually read hundreds of confession letters what a dedicated nice young lady she is um and then her following up by being like, I must have lost yours. Like, to placing the blame on herself. Like, it must be my fault. I'll go find it. Yeah. Uh, I really like her, the way that her Jewiz E uniform uh, mm. looks on her, how different she appears because of her smaller stature and the different way she carries herself. But you can also tell that, like, in the important moments, you know, when she stands up for Anna and is like, that this is, yeah, she can grow into that great hero that we saw in the previous loop and i really do like the design of gold like he seems like he's just gonna be a one and done honestly because he gets his head broken in (laughs) half (laughs) at the end of this chapter yeah he gets crunched real hard uh but i thought that uh it was like oh you know nice straightforward big monster guy with a with a cool design so i do really like this chapter it's 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 cool stuff and i like how gina continues to be just like so unimpressed with everyone except Fuko, basically. <laughs> yeah i i do like how she's 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 like all right fine she passes she reminds me of you <laughs> Actually, one last note I have to make. I do love that when the three the three teens are going around the school, that 
Chikara is just getting distracted by taking pictures of the pretty buildings yeah. around. <laughs> it's he's, like, all right. He's a good bean. Okay. We got to move on from there to Blue Box. Blue Box. It's chapter 131. That can't be true. Uh, featuring uh, a picture of uh, of Shinatsu looking cute, but honestly looking kind of drunk. Uh, I thought she looked so sad, which really primed me to think this was the chapter she was going to lose at Nationals. <laughs> like, I was like, she just seems like she found out. Like, they're like, hey, wear this Santa suit. And she's like, okay. By but... the way, you're losing in this chapter. <laughs> I wasn't even going to go there. Like, they were like, hey, put on this Santa suit. She's like, okay, but like, won't Santa be mad? And they're like, there is no Santa. And she's like, what? And then they took the picture. <laughs> like, she was like, she was just getting ready to take the hat off. Because yeah. she was so disappointed. She's like, no, take it now. <laughs> no. Uh, so, Taiki, having been given permission to go and see his girlfriend's really important basketball game uh, is going to see his girlfriend's really important basketball game. Uh, it's raining outside, uh, which is always good. Uh, mm. Definitely not <laughs> ominous in any way. Uh, he runs into Matsuoka, who uh, says that, oh yeah, we're also doing an our, our tournament. We won our game. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he says, yeah, let's go watch, watch the girls game. So they head to that court, and uh, it's towards the end of the first quarter. So Taiki has missed a chunk of it, but the major what well, the majority of it is still to play. Yes. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 Chinatsu going up against Yumeka, and uh, I, I do like that the the bit that happens as Matsumoka kind of joins like his teammates as they're watching the girls and like, hey, who's that kid? And he's like, oh, one of my fans. If Taiki's <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, so AMA is winning, but they're only winning by four points. Uh, that which is you know nothing in, in at this stage in basketball. And Matsuoka observes like, yeah, AMA they were able to go to nationals last year, and Saisho didn't reach top eight in the region, so they should be leading them by way more at this point. Uh, and then he brings up, you know, I, I get that she wanted to play basketball together again, but if she hadn't brought Yumika back, her road to nationals would be a lot easier. And Taiki goes, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, come on, man. It's <laughs> only just occurred to you. He's like, I made hard bad for her. It's It's funny because we know very clearly that's not what Shinatsu is thinking. Like she is grateful no. that her friend is back in her life and play, like found a passion again. So even if she loses here, she's not going to be upset. But I do like for Taiki, he's just like, Oh no, I did bad. <laughs> so we do get a bit where Yumeka manages to hit a breakaway. She scores a layup over Shinatsu. Uh, and then we cut away from there. Uh, Haru goes to visit Hyodo, and uh, I do like that Hyodo makes a little joke. It's like, this isn't Aimee's gym. It's like, he's just the third guy from the team who's come here. Fourth, if you count his sister. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, Haru just says, like, yeah, you know, I hear you've been taking care of my juniors. Hyodo says, yeah, you've been taking, and you've been taking care of my little sister. 
Not really. I don't. I don't interact with her. She's like in a that. different club than uh, me. <laughs> he's like, we don't play each other. I have no involvement with the women's badminton team at all. I just know of her. <laughs> we occupy the same general space and a hobby. That's yeah. kind of it. <laughs> it's really more of a Venn diagram than we know each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Aryu demands that Hyoto practice with him. Uh, and Hyoto's immediately disappointed. He's like, what, you just came here so that we could smack some shuttlecocks together? Careful, boys. This is getting a little bit uh, suggestive. If you put no. it that way. Uh, but Hyoto says, I thought you might have come here so we could finish our talk from earlier. And Haru looks away, and he says, nah, I'm not going to go to the same college as you. Like, yeah, it'd be good to play badminton if I went to a sports focused college, but I want to go to a regular college. I want to you know, study hard and I've got things that I want to do. So, hey, Haru's got, got some plans, uh, it seems like, for what he wants to do later in his life. So, Hyoto's disappointed. Um, Haru promises, like, hey, even if I do go to a different college, I can still come play with you. And Hyoto's like, I'm not running a badminton class here. <laughs> so, um, and then we get a little bit deep as Haru says, we have to face a lot of different crossroads in life. I'm staring at one of those crossroads right now. There's a bunch of times when you'll tell yourself, I should have done this, I should have done that back then, or you'll ask yourself, what if I'd taken the other path? And with all the choices ahead of me, I don't want to end up lost. That's why I won't lose even to a student of yours. Aww. And he's smiling confidently and happily when he says that i do this is the thing that i liked a lot in haiku uh which was just eventually kind of uh focusing on the idea that like high school sports is like a very cool and like fun thing that should you know is rewarding as like a part of your life but uh you shouldn't go in, into it under the presumption that it is going to be the entirety of your life and the idea that yodo is like i want to go to nationals and prove i'm the best player and then I'm going to go to school. <laughs> I'm going. To, I am not going on a scholarship for another thing. I'm I want to go for I the Olympics. To, I'm not yeah. gonna. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I think it's just a healthy mindset to show uh, in these sorts of series. Yeah, it's absolutely great to have characters that are all about like, oh, it's my dream to go to the top of the world and stuff like that. It's also nice to have a character who's just like, I'm gonna go as far as I can right now, and then I'll be done. Yeah, it's 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 good to have both. Cut back to the basketball game. Yumika gets a good assist in, and everyone's like, oh, man, she's just going crazy right now. She's scoring. She's getting the good passes in. She's controlling the pace of the game. She might lead an upset here. And again, Taiki starts thinking about what Matsuoka said, like, oh, man, if Chinasa hadn't brought her back. But now he does think to himself, like, that's not true. That, that can't be true. Yeah. And we get some more action focus as uh, Chinatsu uh, receives a pass. She has to shoot over Yumika and the ball hits the rim. But who should be there to help out but her friend Nagisa. She gets the rebound and tips the ball in and uh, they get a score there. And Nagisa kind of comes comes over to her, gives her a pat on the back. It's like, yeah, keep the shots coming. Uh, and Chinatsu uh, looks over towards Yumika and thinks, I don't want to have any regrets. And that's why, of course, it was important for Yumika to come back. Uh, it was like it would have been incomplete for Chinatsu if 
if she hadn't. So it's okay, Taiki. You didn't do a bad thing. It just might be, yes, it might be harder for Chinasa to win this game, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, it looks like this game's going to be exciting, and uh, we should have uh, some kind of intense uh, conclusion because the series hasn't usually stuck too long on the sports. It's not like we've gotten much of like a real sport arc to be like here's three chapters to find out if this character is going to win this contest or not or you know even like a dedicated sports series where like oh no this is an arc like we're going to be here for a while like i feel like we're going to get one maybe two more chapters and then find out the conclusion to this this uh this match that's right okay quinn guess what time it is it's it's been a few months i'm trying to remember what we do here it's it's time for Black Clover. There was like a thing we used to do. Black Clover. Black Clover. There we go. It's time for Black Clover, Nick. This is page 369, a united front. And we get a cool two-page color spread uh, for, for Black Clover uh, having its chapter out. And I really, really like the use of color in this one. Black Clover always has like fun colors when it gets to kind of mm-hmm. utilize them. And I love... You know, it's green and the blue off of, uh, um, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting his name. Lucky's Lightning, or just Luck. Luck's Lightning. Um, it's Luck, yeah. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of cool colors. Uh, the the purple, like the deep blues of Noel's outfit. Good stuff. Uh, so last time, you know and Asta are teaming up. They're going to take out Lucius and become the Wizard King. And they say in unison, because they're very, very cool. So they start fighting. That's like immediately where they start. And they're like, I guess it's two on two, huh? Because there's two versions of uh, Master Luscious there. And he says, no, it's four on two. And two more of them show up. And they're like, yes, Asta, you may have come back alive, but there are several dozen angels here. Three archangels and 11 of me. I still have the advantage. So there's a lot of different factor still going on here there are 11 of him three archangels which i believe are like the characters like uh aesir and stuff like that who are out there that like mm-hmm. i got what morris and then fuck who's the last one? Oh, um um uh more not yeah morgan like i don't even remember at this point <laughs> it, it, it's yami's uh underling uh not nature, right, nature right, boy right. first brother okay all right. right. I think right. those I think those are the three. Um so we get a little bit of a flashback cuz uh, previously all the black bulls got little anti-magic added into them. So uh they're all looking at the fact that they have anti-magic in them. And uh Ichika is like are these people okay? Like what's going on with them cuz they're all being goofballs. Uh and Magma's like, "What? Who's this person?" She looks kind of uh, snobby, is the term he uses. I mean, uh, yes, she does. Yeah. She, she has a little bit of a, a low face. Oga from uh, Green Green Green's kind of expression. Get along great with her, yeah. or they would hate each other. They, yeah, <laughs> there is no middle ground. I, these two characters are the best of friends or mortal fucking enemies. Um, and, you know, Asta explains, like, this is a chica. She came from the land of the sun. And she's uh, Yami's little sister, basically. Uh, and of course, there's a little joke of like, oh, how about that? Yami's little, Yami's little sister. Uh, we get a panel where uh, like half the cast gets their one note character joke in. 
So, you know, Gordon Whisper. It really is. <laughs> Gordon Whispers, Charmy mentions food, Cal brings up his little sister, looks like, I'd like to fight. Like, it's it's one after the other, basically. It's kind of like reading your everyday chapter of, of the 100 girlfriends who really, really, really love you. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, you gotta save your thoughts for No, oh, no, I got all my material, no. <laughs> um, so, Chica is explaining, like, look, at this point, Asta has shared his anti-magic with you. It's intrinsically tied to your own magic. So it's you can basically use a version of anti-magic. So you use the term pseudo-anti-magic. Um, Asta takes this opportunity to name the technique Comrade Demons, which is a real Spookmaster General level pun. Everyone says it's lame. And I'm like, no, it's, that's a good name. It's not bad. He put work into it and I appreciate that. For Asta, that's a good naming convention. Yes. <laughs> Comrade Demons, yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone's like, what? That name sucks. But we see in the present as Luck is bouncing around and he is just ripping his way through uh, angels along the way. He uses his ultimate magic, uh, Black Lightning Battle Fiend. Uh, and Achika, in sort of still the flashback, there's no black border around it anymore, but she's like, look, the anti-magic in you is not infinite. The more you use it as a group, the less there will be. So depending on how much you use it once, you might like you might only have enough for just like one or two big attacks. Uh, and Luck is just like, nope, doesn't even matter. If I can kill all of them before I run out, then it'll work just fine because I'm the best. Everyone sucks but Luck. Uh, and one of the uh, Master Lushes is like, hmm, the angel's numbers have dropped so fast. Is he cloaked in anti-magic? Perhaps it's... I should deal with this person. Uh, but before he can, uh, Magna uh, sneaks up behind him and throws a, a fireball at him. And uh, it uh, it's coming at him. Uh, and he it, it's noted that it'll, like, because it passes by him and then turns to come back at him. And it's like, ah, yes, my magic hones on massive magic. Uh, and the fireball is coming towards Master Lush. He sticks out his hand to intercept it with the spell. And the, the, the fireball goes underneath and he's like yeah you can't block it with a spell either like it's super cool uh and it blows up and uh magma takes this opportunity to use his his flame magic soul chain and we get a combination it's a dark black flame magic soul chain team death match where he and luck are chained with this master luscious copy and some random ass angel (laughs) who immediately luck destroys. So Do not worry, I shall be the valuable partner who sets up your strategy. <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah, this is this is some real uh you're you're just the uh the big guy in the tag team and the other guy does all the hard work, the workouts yeah. guy. <laughs> They're like, "All right, you're down." I, I it's a very backwards match. booked. It's a very backwards booked tag team match where it's like, all right, we gotta take down the big guy, and then they just do. So just, <laughs> like, we shit. must both hit our finishers on him. He's pinned immediately. Well, shit. Oh fuck, <laughs> this is bad. Uh, so Master Lush is like, oh, my vast magic is split amongst the three of us now. Uh, so you know, Magma and Luck take this opportunity to beat the shit out of him, basically. Uh, they're very, very strong, and they're good, and they're coordinated, and the anti-magic is preventing Master Luscious from regenerating. And they're just kind of chipping away, but they're also burning through their magic. So he's like, if I just survive them, then I will win. 
I they you know they both used up half of their anti magic, uh, but little does he know that at, uh, your uh, magma and luck, they're battle buddies. You know they're, they're crazy. They're <laughs> complete idiots. So as long as they the other one is around, they're motivated to keep going. Like they're not going to get tired. Uh, so they have this whole you know half plus half equals full power logic, and they, they you know they're they're channeling magic between each other. And they activate the Black Flame, Black Lightning, Exploding Cannon. And Nick, it killed him. <laughs> Master Lush is dead. He's so dead. <laughs> he, he is evaporated. He is just a head and a hand at that point. Uh, uh, yeah. So that, that Luscious is very dead. Yes. yes. So you got 10 more, buddy. <laughs> yeah, just 10 more of them. So Asta says, oh, which one of us has the advantage now? As luck and magma do a little fist bump excitement. Look, I don't know if like is the right word for how I felt about this exactly, because this is a black clover ass black clover yes. chapter. <laughs> uh, it was nice to have it back. Uh-huh. Uh, it was nice to have this pace in it. Like, look, if this the way that black clover goes now where it's like gonna get like one chapter every what three months because it's like a quarterly yeah. magazine that it's in now if we get just one villain being defeated every chapter that we get a black clover i like you know a different member of the black bulls you know have noel beat asher in one chapter whatever it'll be fine it'll be yeah. a fine pace to set things at It'll keep things going for, you know, a couple of years and, you know, Tabata will be a lot healthier uh, for for maintaining that pace. Uh, So we're going to do that. I'm fine with that. I'm not going to be super pumped for it, but I've never been super pumped for Black Clover. Um, So this is fine, I think. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And it was nice uh, again to see the, the soul chain magic again. That was probably one of the coolest moments of Black Clover's last big, you know, saga arc, whatever you'd call it. Seeing it again, like an homage to it. I mean, I should say homage. It's literally the attack again, but as a tag team. But it's twice. <laughs> it wasn't as like intense the last time, maybe because the chapter's longer too. Like maybe it would have been split in half and been two chapters uh, otherwise. But yeah, it was cool. Uh, maybe not as cool as the first time, uh, but I do like that they just exploded him. There's no, you know, find out what happens next time. Boom. That, that Luscious is dead. He's fucking dead. Yeah, it's, 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 it's instead of, oh, a huge battle blow was struck. Find out what happened to the villain next time. It's, that villain's dead. Now, <laughs> yeah. find out there, what happens next there time. There's ten more. Uh, okay. Yeah, let's uh, go on to Dr. Stone, 40 Science. Chapter 3D. Whoa. Future science. Um, Dr. Chelsea's in this Now, Nick, this who's your favorite member of the Dudley Boys? Uh, uh, it's it's actually Devon. It, it is Devon. That is the correct answer. <laughs> Why you ask me that? I, I mean, you Oh, 3D. 3D. Chapter yeah. 3D. <laughs> I really like the idea. You're just like... I don't know. Who's your favorite member of Edge and Christian? <laughs> like you just start throwing out random. <laughs> what were you, a Billy girl or a Chuck girl? What's going on? <laughs> girl. I don't think girls factored into that equation very much. <laughs> Secretly. It turns out it did. Yeah, it's true. Uh, anyway. So, 
uh, Chelsea is basically leading a team of like B the members characters. of the cast, the the, ca the members of the cast that weren't important enough to show up in the previous chapters of of Forty Science. Basically, who uh, was the fucking samurai guy loyal to? Was it Ryusui? To Ginro. Ginro. Who he was? Okay. You. He, he's like Ginro. Like reminded him of like the master he was sworn to protect and stuff. And in the end, he basically was just another battle character. Yeah. And that was kind of it. I like sat uh, there for a moment. I was like, I remember someone at a loyal samurai, but I cannot for the life of me remember who this character was like meant to protect. What was his name? Matsukaze, I think. Something like that. So you're, yeah, yeah you're, they're somewhere on the right track. Uh, they're there with, with Soyuz, uh, and I don't remember the priestess's name. Uh, yeah, Amaryllis or something there. like that. So, um, uh, and they're also there with Ruri as they're trying to track down uh, Byakuya Ishigami's uh, resting place, essentially. Like, where did where did he wind up? Because uh, they're also trying... And so they basically eventually come to a place where there's, you know, a stream and they're like, this seems to be the place where where he passed away his dream unfulfilled because the burning torch of a human life is bound to fade away without exception. As all of a sudden we start to get a bit deep uh, throughout this entire chapter on the nature of uh, human mortality. Uh, like we go over to Kaseki, who is you know working away and stuff as they're trying to figure to progress plans for uh the space elevator and then the time machine, and uh, so Kaseki, you know, rather Chrome thinks about what he had said, which is like, oh, maybe I, I, maybe I don't know if I'm going to live to see the fruits of my labor this time. And Chrome says, do you want to like use the Petra beam turn to stone? So, you know, you'll be there at the end and stuff. Uh, and, uh, you know, they do establish that although they said like, oh, yeah, with the Petra beam, like we can literally, you know, like stop people from dying and stuff. It's like it doesn't stop people from aging. Yeah. So I'm sure that that will help people because like anytime you get sick, you can petrify them and they'll get better. But like people die eventually. Yes. It, it is unavoidable. So. They do actually give voice to that. And it's nice that they do because it seemed at the end of Doctor Sub that they were like, we'll just live forever. Yeah. <laughs> Immortality. Uh, and uh, so they bring that up and, and Chrome's like, yeah, yeah, yeah look, I, I, this is kind of a, a big a big thing and I'm only just offering this to you. Like, you know, we shouldn't abuse this power and stuff. But Kaseki says, I'll be fine without all that. In the end, it wouldn't give me more time to be up and about living life. And Chrome says, but, you know, with the time you have left, like, you could get to see the time machine be completed. And Kasek says, no. The precious years left in these old bones ought to be spent the right way. Eek! And the others. I want to share the time I got with you all. Eek! Tell him to stop! It's going to be okay, buddy. It's going to be okay. <laughs> so he's, he promises to just kind of keep on working hard, and they're like, and someone else will inherit the future. That's the way things should be. And that's the note that gets picked up by Chelsea and Soyuz's group. They're like, yeah, Yakia's dream wasn't left unfulfilled when he passed away because he made sure the people who come at, came after him would be able to pick up where he left off. That was... His, that was his dream that he died with. And so he didn't die sad and unfulfilled. Anyway, 
end of last chapter, we had some big revelations that were about to happen. Petrified mosquito. What does that mean? And all this other stuff. Uh, so, uh, Senku has just had a revelation upon seeing the Petri dish where there is a petrified mosquito. And Ryusui is confronting the Y-Man uh, that they've had with them. And he says, you did a fine job fooling humanity. It didn't occur to us the quick blast of the Petrobeam could simulate Morse code. And who do we know who could pull that off? There's only one person, no, one thing on Earth capable of that. And the Y-Man knows the jig is up, and so it admits, that day, Culex PPNs, your common house mosquito, was by me petrified simply because in my vicinity there was one. And basically, when they received the message, uh, it sent out a blast of the petrification wave, and it had to have a target, so it hit, it targeted mosquitoes within that range. And it's the reason why its battery drain wasn't from all the silk that the stuff they're petrifying. It was that it had to send out a massive wave to trigger their receiver yes. that they had set up far away on Mount Fuji. And uh, so it convinced them to that the time machine was possible so that they would go towards it. And Rusu says it was all the sham. You were the messenger. Mankind never builds a working time machine. And Byakya isn't around in the future. Mm. And Senku has realized this basically at the same time uh, by himself, essentially in the hallway. And he thinks about his dad and that hope that he had to get to see him again. And while he's starting to lose it, he says to Gen, yeah, according to your mentalism, when someone really wants to believe something, are they bound to fall for a ridiculous lie? Because I'm 10 billion percent sure that's what went down here. Aww, he just covers his face. He just wanted to see his dad. So now we get the villain speech. Kind of. <laughs> Because, you know, Wyman does look very, like, you know, villainous uh, in this moment. You know, there's a lot of emphasis on the uh, on the device within his capsule. And he says, was it not entirely logical? Brought together as one were all of you by faith in falsified future correspondence. Imploringly do I demand that you at no point divulge this secret, please. The spurring on of humanity science will from such action result. During my eternal existence, I can then one day. Behold the time machine. So he needed them to have something to believe in. That was why. Yes. It wasn't like some big villainous plot. It was like, I need them to try and do it. Uh, and Ryusui vows like, yeah, I'll, I'll take this secret to the grave. Because I'm sure that, you know, this would really affect Senku and he can never know. No, actually, I should tell him everything. Just <laughs> <laughs> immediately, he's like, "No, no, no! I've got faith in Senku. I, I need to tell him everything." <laughs> actually, yeah, that's that's the way better idea. It's a it's a great moment, and I do appreciate where sometimes like someone leaves like the big frustrating note of like, "No, don't do the frustrating thing." They're like, "No, I shouldn't do that." Okay, good. <laughs> I know what would be more interesting narratively. Uh, but I also know that as a character, as a human being, I would do this. Yeah. Uh, and so he's like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure that Senku would pick himself up from this. That's the Senku that I know. And he goes out to tell Senku as Senku comes into the lab, <laughs> having yeah. figured it out on his own. <laughs> so it's it's a nice, you know, set of sequence that all goes together. 
so now Senku confronts the Y man uh, and is like, "Okay, I get it. You you're responsible for everything. That all makes sense. You had a nice sneaky plan. It all makes sense. Got it." Uh, and the Y man's like, "Do you imply a problem? Benefit has been had by all." And Chrome's really upset, uh, of course, because he's like, "Fuck you!" <laughs> All the, all the, you made people feel good and stuff, and all the people, uh, no, and, and Byaki and Sekuna are going to get to see each other. You're supposed to be a super genius. How do you not get, you're not supposed to stomp on a person's heart. He just gets all the anger out there, all the frustration over everything. Then they have a weird moment where Wyman's like, by the way, I can speak normally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it makes sense, I guess, that, you know, they were able to communicate complex thoughts naturally when they had the long distance communications during the main series and stuff. So uh, the Y man asks, can you bring me up to a high vantage point? Because I have something to explain to you. And as they're on going on their way up towards the space elevator test site, it's it's now pouring rain. It's all very sad and morose. And uh, the Y man says, what you humans call heart and emotions are mechanisms to ensure and preserve social groups. No more than complex programming. Uh, and I do like how Crumb's like, fuck you! And Sinker's like, he's correct. That is, that is what they are. <laughs> uh, but the Y-Man says, as a machine life form, I am quasi-immortal, unlike you all, who are doomed to die someday. Once you're gone, these times we share will be lost to me for all eternity. Imagine having circuitry that enables emotions and matters of the heart within a being with everlasting life. It's all just too unbearable. And the rain's pouring over his capsule. And because they drew a face on it, it looks like it's crying. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, Mariah the robot gets to cry one more time for us, Nick. <laughs> Although I believe the implication there was that the robot itself was actually crying, not here to be like, ah, we are mimicking the emotion with the effects mimicking of rain. I believe Mariah the robot actually did shed robot tears. It was a little bit, little bit dumber somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and that series actually had time, time, uh, time travel. So, uh, yeah, yeah so. that's what they should do. They're like, actually, Senku, have you heard of the microwave that sends jump back in time? <laughs> If we just write issues of Jump Myakia, we'll have the inspiration, Edies. And uh, so they, they, the rain starts to clear up as they reach the peak. Uh, They're able to look out over the horizon, and and the uh, the Y man says, "I'm about to switch the emotion circuit off. Keeping it on is too painful. How can anyone live like this?" But before that. While I still have these thoughts and emotions, I wanted to map out Treasure Island in all its beauty. And Sega's like, well, why'd you want to do that? And the Y-Man says, goodbye <laughs> for all eternity. <laughs> so it's still, it's still, he's still fine. He's just like, I guess, going to act less emotional now. Yeah, I guess he's going to be back to the clinical robot version that right. we've known. I say we've known this character. They introduced this robot like the second to last chapter yeah. of Doctor Stone. <laughs> All the good times we've shared together with emotional Y-Man robot. So the emotionless Y-Man robot reports, ah, my emotional version has a message for you. 
I don't know why I didn't just say this part before turning off, because I'm just saying it now. But anyway, the humanity I've witnessed will, without a doubt, construct a time machine one day. Since I'll live forever, the moment the work's completed, even if that happens to be thousands of years from now, I'll make a point of actually shooting the Petra Beam into the past. It's an eternal promise. The one real way I can atone. And the location where I'll send the Petra Beam is directly over Byakuya Ishigami. <gasps> so now, things are different. So they, the efforts to find Byakuya are changing. We cut over to that group that was exploring as like Senku and Gen and the others uh, join up with them. And uh, so they're like, okay, so if he actually sent a, a beam into the past, then the proof that we are, need to have is where Byakuya would be buried. So and they clearly would have moved his body somewhere. Like you know, if if if, he had, if they had turned him to stone, what would have happened? And so they're like, okay, let's think about this logically. He goes out and stumbles in the river and falls over dead and stone. He would have been treated like he had some sort of awful disease, and they would have tried to cure him, but eventually they would have realized like he's, he's dead. dead. Yeah. They would have buried him somewhere. So they go to the grave marker that they know of from before. And they are start digging it out with the power team and everyone. Uh, and Chrome does say, it's like, well, but what if Pyakia really did get petrified? What have happened to all the platinum that he collected? What if, wait a minute, what if we all poof out of existence because this happens? And so they're like, ah, oh, yes, a time paradox. Yes, uh, in that case, you know, it would be as if you never existed at all. Uh, and Reese is like, yeah, I guess the truth is we don't know what's going to happen. So... Let's discover the rules that make it all work. It's like, fuck it. Let's just do it. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so they continue on working and they reiterate, you know, the big theme of Dr. Stone, which is like, we just keep on making effort. We keep on moving forward. And there's a cool full page spread where Senku, like, is approaching the burial mound where all of his friends are all working on it. And he's got a bunch of shovels with him. He says, we're going to keep on searching for rules and principles behind the inexplicable that's all that science really is. There's just a nice little moment here where Taiju looks at his buddy and he's yeah. smiling and proud of him. And so they continue digging and they break through into something. Uh, as Senku says, I say, get excited. And uh, that's our chapter. We're going to find out, I guess, if Byakuya was petrified and if time travel is really, really real uh, in this series. Uh, next chapter. Yeah, we shall see. Um, it was a fun little, uh, chapter this time. I, I like, I, I like the idea of like, why may it be like, actually I have emotions, but I'm removing them because it's going to be too painful. <laughs> Goodbye. God, how do you people do this? <laughs> I heard Kaseki is just going to let himself die. That fucked me up. I don't want these emotions anymore. <laughs> What do you mean? There may never be another season of Glow. That's bullshit. Oh, wait. People are saying it's a three chapter series. I thought it was four chapters. It's called 4D. It's called 4D. It does say the end at the end. I guess you're right. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> All right. I guess. Yeah. Presumably they find. Damn. That's a fucking ruthless way to end this. Series. I heard that they're going to end this series without having a proper sense of closure. That's fucked up. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? I didn't even realize that. I just assumed that it was going to be to be continued at the end. And it says the end. Oh, well. 
I mean, I get why. Like, I do understand the idea of 4D and they're they're playing with time. I just thought if you were also going to call the chapters 1D, 2D, 3D, you would end on 4D. It's like when we covered the seventh tower in the bonus episode, and I had to like explain to you, no, there's only six books <laughs> in this series called the seventh tower. Each book deals with the tower. Six books, seven towers. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> All right, Nick, uh, we got to talk about Kaiju number eight, but chapter, chapter 99. 99. This is where it gets good. Yeah, so we get a cool cover page of Kaiju number nine with all of his just really powerful but really generic looking Kaiju behind him. Uh, and he's gotten Mina Ashiro. He's got he's gripping her throat. And he says, without Mina Ashiro, humanity will have no way to stop my army. Uh, so he's getting said to absorb her. Kafka is trying to get to her. But of course, as has been established, there's just an army of kaiju separating them. And they're putting everyone around him in danger. He can't leave them at this point. Uh, and he's even being told by, you know, other units like you've got look. Number eight's power is essential to, to neutralize the number nine. You've got to go to Tachikawa and back up. Uh, and he's like, I know, but just give me a moment. Just give me a moment. And he just doesn't have time for everything. People are getting blown away. The structures are on the verge of uh, the shelters are on the verge of collapsing. And uh, Kafka Real is like, I can't leave these people. I just can't do it. Uh, and meanwhile, everyone's witnessing that, you know, hey, Mina's got to get freaking killed by this thing because Kaiju number nine is broadcasting it all for them. Uh, and because of that, of course, everyone's suffering a huge morale uh, loss as, uh, because they think that their big hero is going to be killed. Uh, and Kafka's like, well, I do. I've got to do something. I've got to do something. He's fighting the, the Kaiju desperately, but he can't do it. And Kaiju number nine starts mocking Kafka and the rest of humanity, just saying, Humans are always like this. You can never let things go. And you lose what's most important to you because of it. And a uh, bunch of stuff surrounds Mina. The, like the, like the little, little teeth hand things we saw, or teeth tendril things we saw last ep, uh, chapter. She looks like she's in a cocoon. Yeah, basically she, she's, she's been cocooned now. Uh, and Kaiju number nine says, I win. And Kafka can only just yell, no, stop! Uh, and everyone's demanding, like, you've got to go. You have to go. And he realized, like, I, I I, do, I do. And they're like, look, we can be replaced. She, we can't lose her. Uh, but he's still hesitating. And then all of a sudden, a kaiju reading comes in. It's like, wow, well, kaiju reading. And Kafka looks off in the distance, and he sees this huge, misty presence approaching. He's like, oh, no. Something else. What? What is this? What could be emitting that kind of presence? And off of the distance, there's a bunch of gathered kaiju all storming through buildings behind him. And then they're all engulfed in ice. It's a double two-page spread to show the sudden and massive surge of ice that goes across them in an instant. Yeah, I do and... love... I, I, I'm a huge sucker for like these two-page spreads. Uh, Miruko-chan does them a whole bunch and every single one mm -hmm. of them's fucking fire. Um, I do like this one a lot, uh, seeing all the creatures and then the next panel, they're all, you know, essentially being frozen. I, I, I only wish it had gone a little harder. I feel like they could have mm. gone a little harder here and like really fuck these things up. 
uh, but it's all good. Uh, and so, of course, as we've been waiting for the for it to happen for these months, it feels like since Ashiro was in danger, coming out of the mist, it's Ichikawa in his numbers weapon gear, and he says, "Sir, please go. I'll handle things here." Hey, it's Reno, which does lead us to uh, Kafka being like, all right, I'm going to go. I'm going to go find uh, or get there and save Ashido and have my big showdown with Kaiju number nine and kind of put a a pin to this whole arc or whatever. Um, But this is a very cool like hero shows up moment. Um, Glad to see it happened. It's cool because we got to see Reno go through the challenge of mastering this technique and everything like that. And uh, yeah, I think this is a good little chapter. Not a ton happens. You could just say like Reno shows up, um, but the two page spread is very, very cool. And uh, I even like that, like Kaiju number eight was kind of freaked out when he saw it. He's like, oh, what is this Kaiju? This huge yeah. reading. Boom. It's his friend. Yeah. Uh and next time it's going to be chapter 100. So, you know, it's going to be big. Yes. So, looking forward to it. But Quinn, let's move on to Spy Family. It's mission 92 at Anya's school. It's announced that they're headed for term finals. Uh, and Anya at first is just like, I got to study hard. I don't want to get to nitrous bolt. Uh, and uh, so... They're even also talking about like, hey, you know, it's not just like getting a bolt or getting, you know, a Stella star, but also your performance decides how the classes next term get divided up, which means that because they mean to go taunting her like, oh, I'll never have to see you again. And he's like, oh, shit, plan B could be doomed if I don't get good grades, good enough grades to be in the same class as him. So I've, I've got to not just avoid getting a Demetrius bowl. I've got to ace my tests. But. I don't know how to do that. She even goes over the fact that her reading people's minds plan isn't working out because when she's in the middle of a test, she can't focus in on one person. And even if she finds the person who does know the answers, they'll like move on before she can read their mind and get the answer that she needs. So she's like, I got to figure out the answers for myself. Luckily, I am a genial, so I I know I can do it. This this was a real Rugrats ass chapter for Anya. Yeah, like you had to really like pick up like what is she saying? Oh, okay, she's saying circus, but she doesn't know how to. I get it. Okay, right. Uh, Lloyd is also thinking about this, and he just to establish like, look, all of the cheating plants and stuff. We've used them all already. <laughs> He's like, I could try and send, you know, change her scores and stuff, but they've really improved security since that weird spy I came across before fucked everything up. Ah, Daybreak strikes again. <laughs> That's so funny. I haven't thought about Daybreak in so long. I do appreciate that being like, that, that fucker fucked, screwed everything up for me. I can't cheat a four anymore. Uh... They established that for whatever reason, like Anya's like pretty good at classical language and they don't really say why. But but he says, like, you know, if she's if she gets really good at that, she could actually earn a Stella star out of it. Uh, Anya wakes up 
and uh, greets her, greets her, her papa and is like, oh, it's, it's really cool. It's so funny. He's going through this whole thing. He's like, oh, is my child going to be smart enough to do this? Oh, she has such such failings. We have to avoid a bolt. Oh, but there's a singular ray of hope. She's good in this one subject. She's so good. She could even earn a star. Perhaps we lead with her strength and she can truly overcome this challenge. <laughs> Oh, look at all this snatch! <laughs> look how big my boogie is! She terms her really long string of snot the longest string of snot in the history of the unicycle verse. Maybe I can earn a star for being the Eden Academy Master of Snot. It's a snot anaconda, a snotaconda. Yes, it is. And then bra- she goes to bra- wake up your and show off her snot <laughs> Yeah, she's like, Mommy, Mommy, look at my big this is a very fucking kid-like thing to do. Mommy, mommy, come look how big my booger's gotten. Um, I, 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 I'm almost impressed that she knows the word anaconda. anaconda yeah. It's an animal. She loves animals. Yeah. Uh, so Lloyd's just like, let this be a lesson, Twilight. Dare, never dare to dream. <laughs> so uh so he's trying to tutor her and she's of course she is not taking and he's like god i'm just not good at teaching her i don't know what i what i can do the doorbell rings and it's it's their new neighbors it's uh it's uh sieg and his and his wife and uh so you know they've they've brought they brought some cookies over they're just having a friendly visit and and anya's like yay cookies and lloyd's like get back to study get back to study <laughs> Uh, Lloyd is still a little bit worried about the the Althans. Uh, he's like, I'm not sure, you know, we, we, their backgrounds came back clean, but I need to still be careful. But they all sit together to have, you know, just a nice little, you know, little visit. Um, and uh, they they you know they're they're kind of talking about stuff. Uh, they ask some very innocent questions, and Lloyd and you're almost gonna fuck up. Lloyd's like, oh yeah, we have an agreement. I mean, yes, we're married and <laughs> we love each other. Love being married legally, which is what we are, and doing things that married couples do, which don't even need to be named. Yeah. They're so normal. They're, they're so uh, standard that everyone knows them. Why would we even bring? bring them up yeah uh and they're having this uh this like tea visit over at the alton's house so you know lloyd starts you know like he changed the topic is like oh you know look at the books that are surrounding us and everything and they bring up the fact that sieg was a university professor uh and uh they they kind of bond a little bit because Sieg says that oh yes i i i i I was experienced in neurology and stuff so he kind of bonds with lloyd over having a shared profession as far as he knows, because of course, Boyd's not actually a fucking psychiatrist. Um, and uh, they, they go over the, all this stuff they knows, and he's like, "Oh, you've got all these books about uh, classical language." And Anya brings up like, "Oh, I'm trying to get the best top the top classical language test score." And uh, so he's like, "Oh, you know, I, I used to be a quite the lecturer back in the day." Uh, and Anya's like. Oh, so if I study here, can I get cookies? I didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so Lloyd's like, yeah, okay. If if, if you're not troubled by it, then sure. Uh, so C takes a very nice approach. He says, like, oh, do you have any books that you like? And I is like, I like Spy Wars comic books. 
And Sig says, oh, well, I believe I purchased the first volume to discuss it with my students once. Look, it's a first edition. And I was like, you're kind of cool. Yeah, she's like, you rule. (laughs) (laughs) So they start going over it together. And Lloyd's observing them. He's like, fuck. (laughs) He's really good at this. Uh, But but he's also like, no, no, no. Mr. Alton, I uh, I tried the same thing when I made that really good Spy Wars cartoon for all you to study. <laughs> and I was like, that sucked. Um, so, so he goes over and is like, oh, do, don't you, what do you think about this line here? Uh, why don't we try saying something that's cool like this in classical language? Uh, and so he says it and Anya tries to repeat it and she's, you know, messing it up and everything. Like... I do like that she that you know what she says is like I peek at people when they're bathing and see turns there's a one mustn't peep when someone just <laughs> <laughs> takes it seriously. Uh and Ani gets a little upset, but he's like, It's fine. Whenever you find a pitfall, it makes the road easier to walk the next time. Oh, he's a oh. good teacher. So, you know, he's just teaching her, you know, gently, you know, step by step different things, uh, and like, you know, they bring up like stuff that like Anya is actually smart about stuff that she knows. And he's using that to teach her good lessons. Uh, and Lloyd realizes like he's actually encouraging her to find joy in studying. And I never even considered that. And that's because Lloyd doesn't understand the value of enjoying things. Yeah. And it's like really sad for him, but it's really nice because they, Anya's making progress, and as she's making progress, she's having fun studying with with. Z, it also and makes he sense. He didn't really get to experience childhood that way, childhood, yeah. so he probably didn't really get the chance to have like a great teacher and know how, what it's like when you're encouraged. Yeah. So Sieg, you know, like she manages to point out like these words that are that are, that share trace together, and he congratulates her and says, "Yo, Eureka!" And she's like, "Eucalypta." And he pats her on the head really encouragingly. And uh, they you know, end their lessons for the day. They're like, oh, you can drop by whenever you like. And Anya's like, oh, I need to get Estella, so I'll come to study every day. And Seek encourages her. And he says, when you ace your final exams and you become an imperial scholar, what will you do next? And Anya thinks for a second. She looks over at her parents and she says, I want world peace. And he's like, oh, a grand goal indeed. And I shall teach you as if the fate of the world depends on it. Aww. It's so sweet. And then he says, you're a good girl, a fine child. And he gives her a big hug and says, children like you are the nation's greatest treasures. Grow up healthy and strong. It's so cute. It's so fucking... This was such an emotional week of manga. We haven't even gotten to the chapter that, like, just is built to emotionally devastate us. <laughs> um, but, like, this chapter is so, so cute. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, you you know, Anya goes to bed after that. Uh, Lloyd's still a little bit like, mm, I don't know about this. Uh Anya goes to school and Becky's like, hey, how's your test prep going? And Anya's like, I'm ready. I've got myself koala power now because she thinks that Eureka is eucalyptus. Mm. That's cute. We get a montage of her training, studying uh, with with Sieg uh, and also on her own. Uh, and then she shows up to class for the test. She's wrapped bandages around her arms and has used permanent marker to give herself five o'clock shadow. 
And she's like, I've mastered the art of classical language. I'm going to nail that test tomorrow. Why do you look like that? I wanted to look like I've overcome rigorous training. <laughs> Good for you, Anya. She goes to school like this. <laughs> I love that. I, 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 I really do love that she goes to school and they're like, why? Why do you look like why that? Why do you have facial hair? And she's like, I drew it on with marker and it won't come off. And they're like, all right, <laughs> what do we do now? <laughs> and she takes the test and she gets really intense. And we cut ahead to five days later as the results are being announced. This was a great chapter. Yeah, Fucking this... love this. It's cute. It's funny. Wonderful bonding between Sieg and Anya and made my heart weep <laughs> to see them getting along. Yeah, this is really good. I, I've obviously said on this podcast many times that like the encouragement of children uh, through teaching is like one of those passionate things and seeing like good teachers like just melts my heart. It's like a, a like a shot through. That's why like great mentors are so awesome. Um, this is a chapter about like how much how important it is to be a good teacher and it's it's very, yeah. very sweet. Um, I love Sig's hug to Anya and it's it's just great all around. Nick, let's continue talking about great chapters by talking <laughs> about Eden Zero, chapter two sixty nine Swords Dance, a move I didn't think much of, but then when you start getting into competitive Pokemon, yeah, you're like, actually, not bad. Like, you know, it's kind of... Two stages in one go? Yeah, yeah it sets for, up some, some your, sweepers. Yeah, yeah, for your main offensive. I mean, there's, there's you know, sometimes there's better stuff nowadays, but, you mm -hmm. know, still solid at a pinch. Uh, yeah, don't uh, don't doubt the uh, the importance of that in a, in a baton pass uh, strategy, mm, too. So. Very true. Um, so... Uh, which one she she defeated wizard and i don't even remember how she did uh <laughs> so she gives her little uh, uh reflecty reflecty things so, that was yeah that that there that there that that does it um so which is like okay i can get my authorization code now and they're like cool we have three so hermit says all right now we need you valkyrie hurry we cut over to this battle in space uh we see that uh Jin and clean are like oh there's too many dragons you gotta hurry up and beat actuella and uh then we get a split screen of hamora and uh valkyrie both saying i'm trying it's not executed very well because i was at first wondering why uh, hum uh valkyrie was saying i'm trying and i remembered oh it's because she's responding to hermit from two pages ago basically yeah it's not um, very well paced yeah uh but they're like all right this is really tough, and fighting from a starfire is really tough for her more. So she goes, all right, cool, all or nothing. She opens up a cockpit of her ship, goes into overdrive. And they're like, no, what are you doing? And she's like, I don't, Hermit said you could survive in all sorts of conditions if you overdrive. So I'm going to gamble on that chance and use my sword. Uh, and uh, she's, she, you know thinks back to or valkyrie i should say thinks back to when she was training her for the first time by i guess just surrounding her with fire and uh she's like hey uh you know i don't like feeling hot she's like it's okay this is part of your training be brave that's the first step to being a sword fighter so it's all about the risks you take nick uh as she flies mm -hmm. through space uh and then brigadine is like ah so she's your student uh her more or uh, valkyrie's like oh i thought she was but actually she's all grown up so i have to live up to her um cut over her more has got uh, actuella and she's like call off your dragons 
and uh, Actuella is like, actually, when you're overdrive edge, you'll just die in the vacuum of space. I don't think I will. <laughs> um, yeah. But Homura's like, no, I can kill you beforehand. But Actuella just sends a dragon at her, and uh, it doesn't matter. Homura just cuts it in half. Um, they established previously that, like they're immune to stuff that's not anti-dragon uh, ether, but I guess that's what her sword is. Um, so I'm not going to sit here and question it. It's, it just is, it works. Um, uh, there's much more important things to question about this chapter for, for one thing. Yeah. So. Uh, Hamora is like, Hey, you know what? You are actually, you are not the mother of dragons. You are the mother of Elsie, bitch. The mother of a and, human. And Elsie's not a dragon. Yeah. Q-E-D. <laughs> Check and mate. Um, but we get uh, a great synergy as both Hamora and Valkyrie decide to, I guess now, use a good attack. So they go <laughs> get into the same stance <laughs> and they we get like a full page spread of uh, them both uh, having confidence. And then they use Dragon Flash and instantly defeat their opponents. It's so underwhelming. I don't know why they just didn't do it before. <laughs> Why doesn't the wrestler simply use his finishing move at the start of the match? It would make him win immediately. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's very, yeah, uh, it, this is very much uh, very little pacing. It's not interesting either. You know, this isn't like, you know, a cool sword technique where you're like, oh, visually, this is very cool. They both kind of just like eat, like prepare and then slash. Um, but it's enough to defeat both of them. Uh, Hamora exits her overdrive and Valkyrie grabs her and puts her back in her spaceship before she'll die in the vacuum of space. Uh, and she's like, oh, you've, you've never failed to impress me, teacher. And, and Valkyrie's like, no, actually, your last attack was even better than mine. And they activate, you know, the, the code. So with three minutes left, all four shining stars have given their codes. Time to activate the override sequence and shut down to Eden Zero. And that's just the end of the chapter. Again, we didn't get a little flashback into the 20,000 years ago. So I think Hero is just inconsistent. It's not like, oh, mm -hmm. well, the Void thing took up press. Like, no, he just sometimes doesn't think of something to put in there, I guess. So that's it. That's the chapter. In terms of describing how good this chapter is, uh... I will say it reminds me of something that is very good. Mm -hmm. uh, pancakes. Love pancakes. Yeah, those are pretty good. And just like pancakes, this chapter was flat. And so. <laughs> okay. Sometimes uh, dry. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's sometimes a little bit overstuffed. You know, it's, mm. it's, it's not the, it's too fluffy. Um, yeah, I. This is such a nothing chapter. Uh, and it's like it's supposed to be this big critical moment in this battle, but fucking nothing happens because we have not dedicated any focus to what's going on with Homura or Valkyrie prior to this during the course of this entire battle. Uh, despite all the reasons that we should have made this feel like an important moment. I, honestly, I can't even remember. So we know that Acnoella got defeated before. Like, it's not interesting there. It's not like they were like, actually, she's a lot stronger in this year. They probably said something to that extent, but that's just meaningless garbage. Um, and I believe Brigadine also lost in the previous war. I think Hamora defeated him, I want to say. Um, so it's not like we have a lot of intrigue of like, ooh, who's going to win these matchups? Uh, they were just kind of like, 
uh, lockups that people had to do until it was time to hit their finisher and, you know, throw them out of the Royal yeah. Rumble or whatever. It's like, oh, I just got to sit here and punch you in the corner until, you know, John Cena comes out and he can throw us both over the top rope. Uh, there's just nothing of interest here. It's boring. Uh, and uh, it also feels like for part of it, Hero wrote himself into a corner uh-huh. because he wanted to have the moment. Fair enough of Hamura and Valkyrie striking together, you know, mother, daughter, master, student, simultaneous sword strike defeats two opponents at the same time. Fair enough. So they're in a space. It's a space battle. So we had to have Hamura leave her ship in order to do the sword stuff. Puts her in danger. Mm -hmm. Oh, no. A, there is no sense of tension for this because she wins. She does it, and Valkyrie's like, and you go, she's yeah. fine. There's never any moment where it looks like she's going to die in the cold vacuum of space. B, like two months ago, we established that there's a soft drink you can drink that will just make it so you can operate <laughs> in space just fine. And we can't use it this time, I guess. We just didn't have a second can of it. So, this is bad. It's dumb. Yes. Uh, Moving on. Yeah, there was, there was no more sister energy drink. Let's talk about Cypher Academy. Cypher Academy! It's... Oh boy. Chapter 54. A nearby delegation is more reliable than a distant war results. <laughs> it, it, it technically can count for this uh, this year's best uh, Cypher Academy chapter title. Go vote on that and all the other supplementary poll stuff. Yes. This is the last episode of the year, so it's your last chance to make your voice heard. Make, do votes and stuff. Yes. Uh, so hey, uh, Ensa and Iroha have reached that court of law floor that we saw Toshisai and company have to go through previously. Uh, and uh, before we do that, though, we see that uh, Ensa was passed a note from uh, Togenana Fushigi. No, or is that uh, is that the name of the thing? I can't. I don't know the name of this character. Uh the telepathy cat, cla- yeah, the telepathy classes leader just, uh, passes her this and says, "I'm giving you this since we both wear our sleeves in a cute fashion, <laughs> which is as good a reason as any, I guess." Uh, they're encrypted signatures. Basically, it's just everyone has signed their names in a in a circle, which is done in a way that's like you can't tell who did it first. That's why it's all in a circle. Uh, so anyway, Yoroha is on is being is the one being put on trial. And it is about the incident from his past where all of his uh, fellow members of the cheerleading club were killed when they were captured while he was forced to pretend that he was a girl and cheer uh, while watching all of his friends die. Yay! Good stuff. So uh, we do see that he was given warning about this by uh, Rokoku. Uh, Well, and uh, told, like, oh, you've got to face your own code. So as they're going into it, uh, the Dekiai, who is in t- is the prosecutor, says, state your father's name and occupation. And Ensa tries to raise an objection over it. It's like, th- that's got nothing to do with the case. Overruled! It's a kangaroo court. So Iroha names his father, Shitoyaka Irohazaka, who is a parody manga artist. And they present one of his parody manga works, which is entitled Fighting Over Cheering. And it is very clearly uh, 
a recounting of Iroha's experiences with this. Uh, and so they're like, oh, does this book go over that? And he's like, yeah, my father wasn't very understanding. He's like, just yes or no. Yes, it's it's about my experiences <laughs> being captured. Yes. And he's like, all right, you watch all your allies die. And you cheered while it was happening. Yes, I was forced to. Uh, so it's like, okay, so it was the brigands' fault. You bear no responsibility. And Iroha says, no, the brigands didn't force me to cheer. All the other boys on the team wanted me to do it. They told me to act like a girl and survive on my own, even when they all died. And I consider, you know, that's what the vice captain said. And I consider him my best friend. And he, I was told, like, Ambitious is definitely going to come and save you while we're being killed. So I was omitted from the proceedings, even though I wanted to die with them. This poor boy. This poor sad You, boy. you always forget what a <laughs> fucked up backstory this kid has. Uh, the Dekii points out that that is different from what is in Iroha's father's book. And he's like, look, he drew parodies. And I guess that he wanted to cut out the big heroic part. I told my counselor, which does tell you, say something like, wait, you told that to your counselor. How did your dad find out about that? Mm. <laughs> uh, and so Iroha's like, yeah, so, you know. My dad's son's disgrace sold really well, and with that, he was able to enroll me in the academy, uh, probably so that he could get a sequel out of it. So Uroha's dad sounds like he sucks. <laughs> sounds like a real shithead. Uh, and so they say, like, okay, look, the defendant is an accessory after the fact to the murder of civilians, so we seek the maximum penalty as well as his removal as leader and dishonorable discharge from the ranks of the Academy. And so all the decky eyes start to say guilty, guilty, guilty. Uh, the ninja who is, who is with Ensa and Iro has just says nothing. And that's like, yeah, she's right. We, there's nothing that he could possibly say under his defense on, uh, under oath as a result of this. Like he can't say anything right now. And Iro is like, I, and it says also like, I wanted to be the defendant here. So that, but Andy Rush should have known that this was going to happen. But then she gets a brief moment where she remembers, uh, I guess the girl's name is Pike. She says, you know, Pike's survivability was precognition, the ability to decode the future. Therefore, I gathered these signatures in secret. Or maybe Pike's some, like a different thing. I don't even know. I can't take you all these characters' names straight when they only show up once in a blue moon. Yeah. Anyhow. So, it's asked what the purpose of the signatures is. And she establishes, this is a pledge that we accept Iro Hazaka as our leader, regardless of his past. And I've entrusted the details of it to you. After all, Pike dropped out of the running in the very beginning. And so now, and so is like, oh, okay. So if I have this, this will be our big defense of this. Classy is leading private is the little sister of the person that Iro is indebted to. So she must have foreseen this. This will be the time to turn this, to use this. So she gets up and she says, the defense would like to submit Exhibit B. And then she realizes, so we should all, what, band together and protect him again without his permission. So she sits back down, says, sorry, we don't have any further evidence. No further questions. I just want to declare this. If the defendant is found guilty... I will die with him. I won't let him die alone. I won't let him survive alone. Aww. 
And uh, so the peanut gallery that's watching is like, but that's it. So she's not going to turn the signatures and, and everything. But the creepy girl that gave them over says like, that was only a piece of paper. It was meant to light a fire under those cute sleeves. <laughs> so silly. Um, and uh, she's like, yeah, look, this court, it wasn't going to be overcome through documents. Only by love, not strategy, is it possible to drown Dekiai-chan. Dekiai says, the defendant will hereby receive an unlimited suspended sentence. And the defendant's sponsor is hereby commanded to spend the rest of her life with him. And they Aww. all cheer and stuff. And Iroha gives Ensa a big hug. And she says, I'm, and Ensa's like, I'm sorry, I should have asked you for this. But Iroha just says, I solemnly swear that I love you. <laughs> like, Aww. And he says that she, he's glad that she's there with him. Aw. And so they're like, wow, yeah. So we just needed, like, you know, to be super illogical at the computer, basically. And it bugged out. <laughs> um, and uh, so that's it. And they're like, okay, we've moved past the roguelike climax. Now it's time for the scramble for the prize climax. And there is a list in the background of the remaining 250 floors that they have to get through. Although... I don't even think it's possible to make them out. No, I mean, they're in Japanese, so you'd have to read And there's that. also a bunch of... There's also some parts of it that seem to be censored. Yeah. So. Or they're just so small that it looks like that. Yeah, so this is a cute chapter. Uh, hooray for the power of friendship. <laughs> well, that's not the end of the chapter. Oh, it is not. To it be clear, like it. It, to be clear, uh, then they, you know, we all get teleported basically to the round yep. table floor, four hundred uh, floor four hundred ninety nine. Yep, everyone's in a big at a big round table. Uh, I do like all the little details that we get, where everyone's got a different symbol uh, for their thing, and yep. uh, and if you requested is removing hers, <laughs> she's grabbing it. <laughs> Yep. Everyone has a title uh, as well, which I love. Uh, Quoka at issue days is yeah. common sense in a suit. It's only common yeah. sense to be dressed like a bear. Absolutely. Uh, also, Kasuri and uh, and um, and Iroha are fucking exhausted. Uh, it seems yeah. like they're the last ones to get here. <laughs> so, uh, so Toshi says, "Like, all right, so we've been manipulated so that most of us got our butts here at the same time. Hey, butts." Uh, and uh, so they're like, all right, only two people can continue on to floor B500. And in addition to that, all of the players must log out. So got any good games for deciding who gets to go to the final floor? And uh, Bew, the uh, hanging upside down girl, says, yep, code battle royale, round table calculator flash mental math. <laughs> big split uh, split panel with all of them in it uh, and she's upside down in hers which is fun yes. uh yeah so, so it's the suddenly we're at the climax of the virtual world so uh there is a theory going around maybe not even a theory just working with uh the information sort of provided uh that it seems like cypher academy might be ending soon uh it's kind of similar to magu chan it feels uh supposedly you can kind of again like less buildup within the magazine mm -hmm. there wasn't like anything done for its like one year anniversary besides like here's a color page yeah. <laughs> like uh not not a whole bunch so it, it, this does feel like yes this series is potentially just moving towards its end as it's like here we're gonna blast through the next like 200 floors 
Uh, we're going to do a big showdown with all these characters. And actually, yeah, uh, whoever kind of gets through this probably will get the morgue. Like, it feels like we're doing it. This chapter also dealt kind of heavily uh, with uh, Roja's backstory and kind of filled in a few more details we still haven't gotten a ton of focus on. Um, yeah. So I, I would not be shocked if that's the case. But even then, this was still very fun. I like the Declaration of Love. Uh, I liked Aroha's little emotional stance. I like the, you know, kangaroo court that he's dealing with that are just like, it's irrelevant. I don't care about your information. Yes or no question. Is this book about you? Yeah. It's a nice chapter. And yeah, it uh, has seemed like Cypher Academy is just kind of like, we're kind of done with this, it seems. Uh, But hey, I'm glad for what we've gotten out of it. We've had a good time with this series on this show. Yes. At least the two of us had. Absolutely. I think a lot of people Every- were like, you guys should stop doing this series. <laughs> we were like, no, too much fun. <laughs> Most of the audience is going to be like, I will be glad that this series will, <laughs> will not be running and we want to listen to you talk about it. And to you, I declare, what is it like to have no fun in your life? Yeah, solve that code for us. <laughs> Difficulty, five stars. <laughs> <laughs> Nick. Let's go to greener pastures, or should I say green, green, greens pastures? Hell yeah. It's chapter five, Send It Flying. I love the little uh, title card thing on this where it's just, it's rung up on the register (laughs) at the the, uh, driving range. It's good. Oga has just offered to give some advice to Haku, and uh, she explains, like, look, you're holding yourself back. You're hitting the ball with all your strength, but you're not, your technique's not good. We need to fix. And Haku's like, stop. I'm, I'm sorry. I really appreciate the advice. But I kind of don't think I want it. And immediately Oga flips the switch. It's like, huh? What's that? You think you're too good for me? <laughs> gives, her the, gives him the big glower. Um, and she's like, well, I thought you wanted to win no matter what. And he's like, yeah, I, I understand that. And I know that this is a bad time for me to be egotistical. And I'd be happy to have you teach me. But learning is what I love about golf. I like the trial and error. I like trying out different grips and adjusting my stance. And even just how changing where I look alters my shot. That all excites me. So this time around, I won't accept any advice from you. I want to search for what my own personal vision of golf is. And I love the face that Oga makes. She's doing... (laughs) Fine, whatever. <laughs> Fine, grump, grump. Uh, so Haku is like, all right, just knowing that I have a dance. Because Oga said, like, look, you can do this with some changes. Like, just knowing that gives me the courage to keep going. Uh, but he hits his next drive, and he only hits it 200 yards. And Chikara is, you know, still like 70 yards ahead of him. He's, he's not making any progress. He's only got eight balls left at this point. Chikara is like, okay. I, I, how do I, I can't destroy the precious glove given by Ogas. He's such so, a nerd baby. So he's like, all right, I'll do this instead. He takes the driver in his other hand, does it one-handed. Ah, it still goes 230 yards. Ogas like, oh my God, he's a monster. Uh, and he's like, I already promised that I would leave my loss. What do I do? Oh, I've got eight chances. I've just got to do this. If I can't reach 280 yards, that's it. I can't do golf anymore. And we get uh, a flashback for when he was you know, on the driving range and he would be observing Oga while she was doing like her perfect, perfectly uh, perfect form drive every single time. And he realized like 
She's got the same stance, same follow through every time. It's always perfect. And having tried to do it myself, I understand what that means. Anyone can hit one good shot. Doing it every time is nearly impossible. Replicating an almost identical swing every time you try is like trying to pick up the same amount of sand in your bare hands over and over again. The talent, dedication, hard work that goes into perfecting your swing. The more I learn about it, the more distant it feels. The beautiful paradigm of the perfected, relaxed, ideal swing. Man, when you talk about golf like this, it <laughs> sounds cool. <laughs> and he's like, I want to be able to do that one day. But in the present, it's just it's not working. He's he just can't hit it 280 yards. And it gets to a point where he's only got two balls left. He can't get there. And at this point, even Chikra's like, come on, do it. Catch up with me. What a good guy. Yeah. So Oga is thinking to herself while she's just hanging out nearby on a laptop. I, she says, I could tell from the first time he hit a ball, my swings have been influencing him. And he might not even realize it, but it's common for people to try to imitate the styles of long hitters, skilled golfers, but that causes their own swings to be over-exaggerated. And that's why I wanted to make things right. But he fucking turned down my offer. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now Haku's starting to feel regrets. He's like, maybe I shouldn't have done that, but I, I don't have any other choice. I've got to find the answer for myself. So Oga gets all frustrated. And she gets up. And she grabs a driver and just struts off. And I was like, what's she doing? And she's like, fuck it. Why am I worrying about him? I'm wasting my time. I'll just do I want. I can do it if I want. And if you notice, you notice. And if you don't and die, you die. <laughs> I love that. A little dramatic. And if you don't, you die. <laughs> so Haku observes her as she takes her stance. And she goes up with her backswing. And Haku's like, yeah, right there. You hit it. And then she goes further back and hits it and she slices the ball. And everyone's like, huh, you don't usually do that, Oga. That's really rare for it to happen to you. And Oga just says, yeah, I shouldn't have tried something I'm not used to. Anyway, go back to work. <laughs> and she leaves the contest entirely and actually goes back to work. Yeah, she's done. <laughs> so everyone's like, what? What was that about? Huh. But Haku has a look of revelation on his face. The ultimate Amaga character has realized something where he's, you know, pinching oh, the shit. Oh, like... yeah. So, uh, he goes back to the T. Uh, he just is blocking everything out now at this point. And he's focused on the, he the head of his club. And Oga is thinking to herself when she returns to the register, and I love the, the really tiny detail. She's putting on her customer service face while her mind is elsewhere. And <laughs> that's illustrated by like a ghost being next to her. <laughs> Which is like, oh yeah, I'm smiling, being nice. I'm, I'm really actually intently thinking about this. Uh, but she explains mentally, you shouldn't be trying to imitate my swing exactly because of our difference in height. The backswing is like the approach run. You've got, really long arms so if you time your swing to match mine your approach won't be long enough if you pull the club back as far as i just did you'll probably be okay but he's only got two chances to do it so who knows if he can actually do it successfully he's like look he's, he's 
tall, he's muscular. Those are his big strengths. He's got those long arms. If he uses all that and with proper technique, he could have an absurd advantage in golf. And she says, make it fly. And he swings with this really powerful, cool-looking arc, and he smashes the ball 291 yards. He beats the mark that Chikara had set. And that's where we leave off the chapter, uh, with the big step, it seems, as having been taken by Haku. All right. This chapter is really good. I don't want to spend a ton of time because we're a little behind on series. A little bit behind. Um, but I this was really, really well done. Like I, I'm constantly kind of like amazed at how much I enjoy the series, but also just how uh, talented uh, the author is here. I'm trying to get back to get their name. Uh, oh, God. Of course, it's the one that's <laughs> hard to read. Terasaka? Um, Kento Terasaka. Terasaka. Yeah, Terasaka. Yeah, Terasaka. Uh, you know, they did Beast Children before, which we kind of mm-hmm. liked. And then eventually we were like, actually, this is kind of boring. Like, we didn't vibe with it after a while. Um, but this is, like, stunningly good in quality at times. Like, the way it is executed, the way, like, paneling is done, the way they, like, progress themselves through a chapter. I'm just constantly impressed with this series. So, yeah, really, really good chapter. Mm-hmm. <sighs> New Sexorcist. Time to be just as impressed, Nick. Chapter 32. Is this really the time to be doing something like that? D- reading New Sexorcist, is this really the time? <laughs> uh, I'm going to actually try and blow through this because this is a weird meandering chapter that takes a lot of time to do a bunch of nothing. Yeah. Uh, there is a conversation that was between Nue and her follower person. Doesn't matter. They, they, they just say like, oh man, it'd be bad if there were spirits there. Okay. Uh, they reunite with, uh, with uh, Shitatsu. Okay. Uh, they head into, into the town. Uh, Suwa makes a comment at Gakuro because, you know, Shitatsu is like taking control and has done a bunch of stuff with them. And so it's like, you better not start feeling bad about yourself, Gakuro. Oh, man, Shitatsu is doing a good job like a captain would, not like me. Just immediately goes in one ear and out the other. He starts hating himself. Cool. They come across a guy who is very badly injured, some sort of exorcist who has been stationed here who's lost an arm. He's bleeding out. So immediately, Gakuro... Doesn't does a good thing. He takes his jacket off. Where did they get that? He's got two shirts now. Uh, he steps forward and he uses it to try and bind the guy's wounds. Uh, and Shidatsu instead is just focusing on getting answers out of the guy. Like, hey, how many? W- what happened? Was there an attack? What kind of enemies are up? Are we up against? The guy's like, oh, there were like thirty level twos. Which at this point, again, it's like we've had no like actual understanding of how powerful these things actually are. You're just saying numbers and sitting in the supposed to treat whatever. So Gakuro is still trying to care for the guys like, I've got to, you know, make sure that he's okay. Give me three minutes to make sure he's okay. And she's just like, do you know how important the object is that we're, that we're after? It could lead to Nui's resurrection, which means that it'd also be bad if the other Hyo's got it. So why are you helping him then? Why are you helping this guy? Do you understand how valuable the three minutes did I just hear myself say three minutes would be if we were tra- wasting them on saving this guy? And Gakura's like, I want to save people. Fine. And she stomps off and the others are like, "Should what, what should we do? And, he's, and he says, I'll catch up. You go with her. Okay. Yep. He helps the guy get to a bed. 
Uh, and then there's something in the guy's pocket. It's a little person uh, who's got honestly. Kind oh, of not cool. not a little person, Nick. A little sexy lady. I assume that it's a lady because, like, of course, Cockroach meets a new cute girl. Why not? Maybe so, not. I, I have no idea. I just saw the haircut and assumed this was another harem character. I was like, I don't know. At some point. <laughs> They are androgynously coded. Anyhow, so they introduce themselves as the spirit Karasu Tengu, and they've got, like, you know, sleeves that look like crow wings and also a bird skull half mask thing. Uh, and immediately it's like, this is my introduction chapter. I'm going to act really obnoxious and stuff. This is all about me. It has nothing to do with Gakuro's, like, thing over, like, you know, trying to value the life in front of him instead of the big picture and stuff, which is a big thing, which is now a source of conflict between him and Shitasu, whom he just had a conflict with. Anyway, he immediately gets back with the group. Where's that guy who was bleeding out? I guess he's fine now. So they he gets back with them, and now he's got this spirit hanging out on his shoulder and who is like oh you should form a contract with me lord gakuro okay so new contract cool new new spirit contract thing which he could also do in addition to what he's got with ua karasu tengu looks at chitosu is like she's really cute who is that oh my sister sister ain't that pretty freaking awesome he's like is she oh, related to you by blood i haven't even told you she's not related to me by blood the tank oh. <laughs> Not like in a joke way. They're dead. <laughs> Shitotsu pokes the spirit in the eyes for some reason, and she's like, I have guarded the village since ancient times. There hasn't been an intrusion in several hundred years until now. We protect a tool within the village. All right, we got to go and get it. No, you don't understand. There is no one of special rank class among you, and there is a level three spirit here. And then a bunch of level two spirits show up and they're like, oh, level three is way better than a level two. You must not encounter it. It's super scary and stuff. Okay. And also the captain from the fourth squad is like on its way. Okay. All right. This is, it goes everywhere in and manages to not make any progress in any direction. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to have a ton to say since we're really trying to speed through this. Uh, it seems like we're going to get some action stuff, which should be better than the other stuff. The last time I was kind of enjoying it was the Shiroa Gakuro fight. I was like, there's something here. So I'm something. hoping it's a little better. Two on Ice, Chapter 14. A Merry Christmas Before the War. Suddenly becomes Cypher Academy. Anyway. So Hayuma's going over to Gisara's to hang out on Christmas Eve. We get, you know, an explanation of like, this is kind of like a weird thing because like it's very popular with couples. So a girl inviting a guy to be by themselves for this. But it turns out it's, it's, no, 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 no. it's, it's so that they can watch the Japan figure skating championship. Aww. Okay. We get a big explanation of like how this is like a really big deal uh, this at, at this time. And uh Hayuma just kind of goes in and like sees that like Kisara's got a big house, so just like wow, her family's loaded. Okay, uh, and uh, Hayuma I think is mystified by her use of the OK Google app. I think. It's, anyway, it's, it's supposed. I thought it was supposed to be that she was trying to be smooth and like just like casually use the remote, and then she's like, "Oh wait, shit, I don't have." Oh, it. she can't find the remote. Yeah, she so can't find like, the right. remote, so she's she's like shy. Uh, Google, just do it. Um. Anyway, so 
they're watching the TV, and the big thing that we get to go over is just like you know the top pairs in this group. So there's there's Yuni and Kotaro that they met in the last chapter, Kotori Miki, uh, who is around their age, uh, as in Hayuma and Kisara's, and her partner is older. He's in his mid twenties and kind of has a, a older brother kind of vibe. He keeps her in check, kind of thing. Then there is. Say Hata and Shoji Ayami, who are you know veterans uh, in in the group, they look like they're gonna you know make the Olympics and stuff. And then of course there's the twins, Natsubi and Natsuya. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we get this really kind of hard to follow splash page of the pairs performing and everything. But after they 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 perform, Ahim uh, is like, oh man, after seeing that, like I really want to practice. I'm all fired up and stuff. And Kisara's like, yeah, I kind of figured that this would happen. It's only 4.30, uh, and that's why I asked you why you were free the night of Christmas Eve, because I actually booked a, a spot at the rink so that we could practice together. So they go to the rink together, and she's like, hey, it's been a while, but yeah, let's do some side-by-sides. And she invites Hayuma to be like, hey, let's try you know a triple axel together like we've tried before. Uh, and Kisara uh, kind of like does manage to like just do it and catch herself. But Hayuma cannot do it at all. He stumbles way earlier than Kisara does. And he's like, wait, what? I, I, I can't do a triple axel. And Kisara explains like, well, yeah, you bulked up. You're not, you know, as, as small than light and not able to do spinning jumps anymore because of that. But you're better for pairs now because you're more muscular. So you can do lifts and, and stuff. And she under- just explains like straight up, like the physiques you need in order to do jumps and his performing pairs are contradictory. And you're still building up your body. You're just going to get heavier with time. Uh, and that's why it's harder for men in pairs to do high difficulty jumps. And then Haima realizes that's why they're worth more points is because they're harder. So, but because of that, they're like, you know, that's like our goal. Like if we can actually become a really good pair and do skating and stuff together, that's why no one's ever done a double triple axel before in a pairs competition. That's our goal. Let's let's do it. That they they make a promise that that's going to be their goal as a pair. It's nice. Uh, and then we just get like the results of the competition, which is that hey, that pair of Hata and Ayami, the new pair that we saw, uh, got the top spot. Uh, Roland Fujiwara got second place, and then Sora uh, got the big top spot. He gets all the focus at the end. He goes, he's this big Japanese champion, multiple time Japanese champion, and he's an Olympic candidate and everything. And he just thinks to himself, I wonder if Kisar is spending another Christmas alone watching me perform. It's, it's, it's real. Like, uh, if Kisara has, you know, one hater, then it's me. If Kisara has no haters, then it means that I'm dead. Like this guy (laughs) lives just to fucking hate this fucking teenager. It's like, dude, don't you like have anything else you're concerned with? Nah. No, I I spend every waking moment hoping that she's she's sad. Like, all right, man, this this is like an attitude. I guess you can keep if you want. I guess. Oh boy, Lucy Samurai, chapter one hundred thirty-nine, breakthrough thirteen thirty-eight. Uh, so yeah, Kodro has, has squared up with Nagao and he's, you know, just kind of like going over how now he's able to stand on equal footing with him with all of the training that he's done. 
and with his new blade that gives him spring-loaded action for offense and defense. Hooray! He goes over what he's had to do in order to get to this point, which involves lifting big heavy shit! Good for him. Uh, they're also fighting on horseback, which is a cool shot to have the uh, the, the like titles uh, spread on uh, of them clashing like that. Uh, Uesugi, uh, you know, is like, oh man, yeah, the boy caught Nagao by a surprise because you know he stands his ground and relies on no one. It's time for me to conduct an experiment with the 99th stimulant, and he shoots an arrow that has a hypodermic needle on the end of it, <laughs> like you do, as you do. Hits Nagao on the arm, and he gets like fucking genetic freak zombie experiment. He, he, yeah, he get he gets Scott Steiner arms. We could say it. Yeah, uh, and we get this like flashback that explains how this works, which is I have classified human beings into 108 types, and rejection responses are minimized when cobbling together similar body types. You are the 99th type, so I will add muscle of the same type to you. This is science, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, so yeah, he's just done experiments in the guy to make him a horrifying monster who has tendons and blood vessels pumping ridiculously out of his arm, which is also like 50% longer now because it's so stretched out. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so Nagao swings his super muscle sword and, um, kills Kojiro's horse a lot. Uh, and knocks him way up into the air with a big, nasty uh, tear in his cheek as well. Uh, and we cut away from there as Kojiro is taking that devastating blow. Go over to where uh, Sanamune is going after Tokuyuki. He has watched the strategy to try and freaking go after him and kill him. Uh, so... What he's doing now is like, I'm just going to use my most powerful archery technique... And kill you with it, which is Omonoi on horseback, charging at top speed. Basically, I'm just going to charge straight at you and fire my arrow straight at you while I'm doing it, because that makes the bla the attack really, really powerful. Uh, and he's like, I will aim for your solar plexus, the center of your body, so you can't crouch down or twist to evade. Even if you use your horse as a shield, it will be of no help. And another horse dies in this chapter as he shoots through Tokyuki's horse's skull and spine and directly into Tokyuki's chest. It doesn't hit him completely dead on. It goes seemingly into more towards his side, but it's obviously not a good blow to take. Yeah. Uh, he's coughing up blood, uh, and suddenly is like, now, that you have, now have you learned my secret technique? Then take it with you into the afterlife and he rides off triumphantly but somehow this is a moment of triumph for the good guys <laughs> because they have gotten their opponents to unleash a secret technique and if you can overcome that then you can then it's then then it's good and uh tokyuki is just unconscious on the ground but Kojiro, even though he's been knocked into the air and he's got a big nasty cut in his cheek, he's like, all right, I live, bitch. Uh, and now I know your technique and I'm going to kill you. Yeah. The, I do like the idea of like, oh, it's actually very cool when you see and survive their technique because now you, you've you overcome the best they have to offer. You can become a warrior. It's it's cool. It's it's nice. Now you can be a, be a blue mage. Yeah. 
Uh, so we'll get some cool stuff there. It was a solid chapter. Uh, we're going to move on to Akane Banashi, the uh, story 92 speciality. Yeah, it's uh, a nice cover page of Kaisei hanging out with kitties. Yeah, look at that. Yeah. He's sleeping. Yeah, aren't we all? Who's, uh, who's the fun guy behind him again? It's uh, it's uh, Kaichi. Kaichi. Kaisei and Kaichi? Damn. Kaisei and Kaichi, yeah. Damn, I'm never going to remember that. Uh, Zenmai is who we actually start the chapter with, and he's like, It's me, the person who got the selection round recommendation, Zenmai Arakawa. And Akane's like, why are you talking like that? I just thought you might have forgotten about me. Uh... We get a very helpful diagram of like masters and students uh, uh, in this shot. Like, hey, just so you know, like who is like who's master and everything. Yeah. Uh, it's it's good. It's good to have this. Uh, we um, and uh, let's see. So we see we established that, like Master Tizen since he became a member of the Arch Four, he's never given out a Fatatsume recommendation. So, oh. Um, Tizen has left the meeting that he's had with Chocho and Akane and uh, Karashi uh, and, and Asagao and uh, Chocho's like yeah what did you think of him uh, Akane's like yeah he's kind of freaky but Akane also says he's got the same vibe as my master and Ani-san's so if I want to keep advancing there's only one person I need right now I want a recommendation from him and it's like yeah, okay. Yeah. Karashi Nasuko kind of like, it was like, yeah, duh, obviously. So, but, you know, so, and I mean, like, the three of them are like arguing with each other, like kids, uh, which is fun. Uh, and Chocho is kind of just like observing them for a second. And he's like, all right, that's enough. Uh, we got to practice your stories now. So, uh, he approaches Karashi first and he's like, you got the go ahead, right? And he says, yeah, it was a special exception. So he's like, all right, you're going to learn one for show. And you, little lady, I'm going to teach you Tanuki Dice, which is a story we are told where a man saves a Tanuki, which repays its debt by transforming into a die to help him win at gambling. An animal type, Zenza Banashi. Uh, and Akai's like, I, I haven't learned this one before. Okay. So uh, then Church uh, is like, all right, so do you guys know what a specialty is? It's like a, it's like Ransaika Anigo and her Kuro Banashi, a story that becomes synonymous with the Rakugoka. It's kind of like your ultimate attack. <laughs> yeah, all right, I get it. Akane, it's about time you learn the Kamehameha. Yeah, a need... story about Tanuki. You have to use your domain expansion where you turn into a Tanuki dice. So as a result of, you know, Chocho having heard from Asagao about how, yeah, Akane has been learning all these animal stories because of her Tanuki uh, suit uh, play. And also because of the way that she won at Chohan with them. He's like, yeah, I kind of think that you might have a lot in common with me. And if you perform this story, I know it'll be a hit. Uh, so Akane's like, oh, so you think it could like be my specialty? But Chocho just says, it all depends on you. Uh, you hope for trying it, and she's all excited over it. So uh, we uh, get a montage of Akane just kind of like living life for a bit. She goes to see the red pandas at the zoo and is like, Tanuki, Tanuki, I'm going to get to the Tanuki mindset. Uh, 
And uh, she's also like, you know, she's walking around. She's got a die in her hand. She's like, I've got to memorize exactly how it feels so that I could visualize it without with my eyes closed. Uh, and she, while she's closing her eyes to visualize, she walks into a pole. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's very fun. So I can visualize the evil vehicles. Wham! Ow! Ow! <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I'm comfortable with this type of story. I can feel it sinking in. And so she meets up with Chocho and is like, all right, how's it going since the last session? Let's see you perform. We cut ahead past her performance. And what do you think? Yeah. Kind of amazed. And the guy's like, ha! Uh, maybe you're not liking me at all. He's got this big, like, ogre grimace on his yeah. face. <laughs> and the guy's like, well, you said I was like you. Was like, you are in a way, but it's like this. I think you were, you're crazy off the stage. But you're dead serious when it comes to Rakugo. Okay, it's like, is that a bad thing? No, but it's not enough. You're not even using half your ability yet. So, Akane is you know really struck by that. But uh, we uh, we cut away from that, leave that there for for this chapter, and we see the fourth master, the fourth member of the Arch Four that I don't I, look. I've got. Uh, Afro guy. He approaches Tizen, who says nothing to him. He's like, saying nothing to your master, huh? <laughs> I was gonna say, I, I I know this character has, I think, talked, but I do like that he's just like, nah. Last talk. chapter he talked, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's like, yeah. So I heard you're appearing in this event uh, for 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 this Asuka guy for fine and good. You're one of the Araka Arch 4, even if you're below me in rank. Uh, I'm proud of you. Not proud of my current apprentices. <laughs> if I told them to put braids in their hair because they were boring and it didn't help them. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, his two apprentices are the guy who didn't impress at the new Breeze event and also Zenmai, who didn't impress in the uh, in, in the contest competition that Akane and, and uh, Kaichi were in. Uh, and he's like, yeah, they've been coming behind Shigama's students. And I can't have that. My teaching ability, my dignity as a master is inferior to a man who can't even produce a single Shinuchi. I heard that Shigama's new girl is going to be in this debut event. I heard she might want a recommendation from you. Do not give a recommendation to one of Shigama's pupils. He needs to be punished. This is a master's order. You must obey. Ooh. So uh, this guy might not be uh, so. Uh, as, he's uh, a jerk. He's as, him, yes, him he's... and his whole fucking all of his students are fucking little weenie douchebag losers. So another obstacle rears its head because uh, hey, if I kind of can't get a recommendation from Dyson, she's gonna have to wait for a while to get one. So, uh, yeah. Uh, we'll see how this turns out. This is we're getting a little bit more into the politics uh, between the different members of the Arch Four at this point, too. Yeah. All right. Uh, that is that. So let us wrap this week up, Nick, by talking about One Piece chapter one thousand one hundred and two, Kuma's life. We even get a color page or a cover page with Bonnie as she's eating hot dogs. That are being meticulously crafted uh, by ravenous wolves. What a suggestion. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're in the flashback still in Kuma's flashback, though it does seem to be the end 
uh, as uh, Bonnie has started her pirating career. And uh, one of her crewmates is like, this is it. Bonnie Kuma's got to be on this island. She's like, don't call me that. Call me Captain. They're like, okay, Captain. But like the Navy's on here. And she's like, nope, let's do it. We're the dreaded Bonnie Pirates. What a kid. Uh, yeah. The Navy has... Uh, you know, an order to arrest her crew. Uh, the reason being, like, they were told, oh, she leaves the injured seniors and children. She hurts the elderly <laughs> and babies, basically, is what they were told. Um, and she just pummels the Marines that try to stop her. Uh, goes looking for Kuma, and he notices and just thinks, I'm sorry, Bonnie, I can't meet with you. Why did you have to become a pirate? Don't try to track me down. And he pops away. Uh, later, Bonnie's on her ship, and she's really upset. She's like, why wasn't he there? And I think it's Gyo-Gyo, I want to say is this guy's name. It's one of the members of her crew. Uh, it's like, hey, look, you know, we're all pirates now. So, like, let's just take our time searching. She's like, mm, okay. And then while we're out searching, we can look for Nika, too. And that way, when we find Daddy, I can tell him, hey, I saw Nika over on that island. Very, very cute. On that cue, flash over to Luffy he has defeated Arlong, gotten his first bounty, and become known to the public at this point. And we get a little montage of people reacting to it. We have Sabo being like, Rogue Town? Why do you need to go there, Dragon? He's like, uh, uh, who oversees that? And they're like, Smoker. We see Smoker looking at the bounty, and now we know why. You know, we don't know why, Dragon. I mean, we know why he cares about his son, but like, ah. Why don't? <laughs> Ace is bragging about Luffy to Jimbei. Uh, Kuma's looking down. It's like, what a twist of fate, Dragon. Both of our children are pirates. Uh, and then Bonnie, uh, gives her, uh, rousing mantra to her crew, where she's like, these are the iron claws, or ironclad laws of the piratey behavior. Steal whatever you want! For bad guys. Don't help other people! Unless they need it. <laughs> what a good girl. Uh, we find out why her lipstick is the way it is. Is <laughs> because doesn't know how to apply it. <laughs> she puts lipstick on and Gyo-Gyo's like, yep, absolutely, Bonnie. That is absolutely how you put on lipstick. And she put the little earring in her cheek because uh, her daddy won't be able to recognize her without Aww. something in that spot. It's very, very cute. Uh, we're jumping around to a lot of different points here. Uh, Kuma is checking out the pacifistas. They're almost ready to go. Uh, he lets uh, Vegapunk know about Luffy being Dragon's son. He's like, you're going to see my memories eventually, so Might as well. no real reason to hide this. And I don't know, like, he's a man who challenges the government through the power of rubber. He's like Nika. I really admire him. Uh, but he is, at this point, given the order to, because uh, th- Enos Lobby just happened, Vegapunk bring, uh, brought up, like, oh, did you hear about the boy who declared war on the government? So that means it's Thriller Bark time, where Akuma showed up at the end because he was given an order to take out the crew. So we see that scene from his perspective, where he's like, "I will, ex- I will sacrifice or allow the rest of you to live in exchange for Luffy's head." And they're like, "Never!" So he knocks all of them out except Back. for Zoro and, and Sanji. Uh, and Zoro's like, "Luffy is the man who's come came with the pirates." He's like, "All right, if you accept this pace." Then you have to take his agony. And even we see it from Kuma's perspective. He's like, I think even I might pass out from this much pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he just leaves saying, you have exceptional friends. And then nothing happened. So and then that nothing was crazy. happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then we see him getting the order uh, that all of the warlords need to be at Marineford uh, because of Ace's execution. If you're not there, you will be 
uh, expelled. Uh, it's going to be a war with the White Bear Pirates. We're at the archipelago. Bonnie is chowing down on with on food, and we see we see Koma looking in through a window. Ah! yeah it's so adorable because she's just innocently eating and then there's people like just watching kuma stare in smiling they're like what kuma a ninja is not (laughs) he is not he's a very big man uh but it's very very uh cute he's like this is goodbye bonnie look at what a rugged pirate you've become but then he gets word that someone has attacked the celestial dragon he's like who could this possibly be why would they do this to one of the celestial dragons this is a crazy thing to do like no one's done it in years we're so close to navy headquarters this would be suicide and he looks in and it's the straw hat crew and they're protecting fishmen and he's like no no one has done this in centuries this is an act of high treason and he sees all of them smiling so this is when he takes it upon himself he shows up when luffy and everybody was being attacked by pacifistas and uh borsalino and we see that iconic scene of, of Kuma teleporting all of Luffy's friends from Kuma's perspective now, where Luffy's screaming, no, not my friends. You know, I, I couldn't save any of them. And instead, it's Kuma saying, no, that's not true. The new world is just too strong for you right now. I will leave the, behind the mark of my existence on Bonnie and on the future of this boy. So don't come yet. One day in the future... You will be the man who saves the world. So we we now know all that scene from that angle now. Mm-hmm. Cut over to New uh, to Egghead Island. Vegapunk has been given a new order to add a self-destruct uh, switch into Kuma by St. J. Garcia Saturn. And he's like, why would you, like, how afraid of you of fucking Kuma? And he's like, well, you're the one who turned him into a levy, living weapon. And he's like, at your orders. Like, Sure, but if he goes outside of our range of commands, then who will stop him? We need we need this security basically. And Vegapunk's like, fine, like then let me leave just a little bit of willpower in him. I have a way to man like to make it so he can still get a little bit in there. And Jay Garcia Saturn's like, I gave you an order. You will not leave him with any free will. And I'm a scientist too, Vegapunk. So do not deceive me. And uh, Vegapunk is preparing to, you know, pull the switch that's going to turn off any sense of of willpower left in Kuma. And Kuma's like, no, I'm just happy you thought of me. And he's like, oh, you weren't supposed Mm -hmm. to hear that. He's like, well, you gave me supersonic hearing, so it's kind of on you. (laughs) And he's like, all right, this is it. We're going to flip the switch, you know, and they're they're kind of reminiscing at this point a little bit. Like, it's been a while, but I really got to enjoy our time together and... So, you know, your first mission is going to be against the Whitebeard Pirates and all that. And he says, yeah, after that's done, I want you to program a mission into me. And we know what the mission is. He watched over Straw the uh, Thousand Sunny until uh, one of the Straw Hats showed up. And he's like, yeah, I would like to protect their home until one of the crew returns to it. Even though I won't be around to witness their grove. Vegapunk's like, what do you see in this guy? And it's like, I just think you know he's going to be the like hero that this world needs like nika's just a legend and i instilled bonnie with like those stories but if there is going to be a hero i think it's going to be him and uh he's preparing himself for the end he's like okay done everything you now you need me to give me the research material so kuma 
pops out all of his memories and uh he does explain a couple rules he's like they don't uh, you know vanish from his mind but like it's like a copy it'll disappear as soon as you know someone touches it the vegapunk's like i have a way to access it without touching it so that's how bonnie eventually finds it and he's like oh as he sees his little paw print get like put into a chamber he's like so that's my life how much was a nuisance how much of a nuisance was i in the end and vegapunk's like what is life but a series of nuisances we see this montage of kuma running throughout his life as it's like being inner uh spliced with images of people his parents iva ivankov uh, Ginny, eventually bonnie dragon vegapunk all of these people who are calling out to him in these different ways and Kuma is just thinking, I'm so glad. Thank you. As Vegapunk finishes, your death is a nuisance to every person who's ever known and loved you. Listen to me, Kuma, and listen good. You are a hero to Bonnie and to us all. And Kuma just says, thank you. Hey, Vegapunk. And Vegapunk has turned the switch at this point. He says, yes, I already know. Thank you for saving Bonnie. And we end with a little message as Vegapunk is turned on. His consciousness is gone. His willpower is gone. He is just a machine. The text goes through. If you should see Bonnie, would you pass on a message for me? Tell her I wish her a very happy 10th birthday. And we see... Bonnie, having seen all of this, sobbing. Those last four pages. <laughs> oh my god. Um, there's a, I mean, this is a lot of like catching up kind of thing, you know, just seeing things from alternate perspectives like you were saying. Mm -hmm. Those last four pages. Way to bring it home. Yeah. God, devastating. Oh, uh, after all we've seen oh that's so good at this i love that idea how much of a nuisance was i at the end of course fucking kuma would say that but i love his thing of like no your death is a nuisance not your life kuma everyone loved you you're you're such a great guy it's, it's heartbreaking and the way it ends wish her a happy 10th birthday fuck off i hate bawling, you bonnie's bawling her eyes I, out. that was me i sobbed during this chapter if you know my rule it's already chapter of the week i don't have to go over it this is <laughs> such a fucking heartbreaking ending um but god damn was it good oda's so good at this stuff yeah absolutely uh no disputes for me uh there were a lot of really nice chapters this week uh but this uh yeah uh sorry cypher academy the night the declaration of love between the two besties and the no no no, no. <laughs> get out of here <laughs> I, I, yeah look like, there was a lot of really really good ones excuse me but only one of them hit me in that emotional of a way like they were like like it wasn't even like there wasn't even emotion this week there was so much emotion but fuck one piece just knew how to kill it absolutely that is going to do it for Weekly Manga Recap, guys. Oh, we have to give uh, our favorites, uh, our MVPs, right? Yeah, let's do that. MVPs, what do you got for me, Quinn? <sighs> it's going to be Kuma. I don't know what I, else it can be. I understand. Uh, I'm going to give mine to Sieg. Uh, okay. I thought that 
that it just his you know bonding with Anya showing you know how his approach to like getting her to take a joy in learning and stuff and how much it means to him to be able to do that uh, it's so sweet uh i i could not i could not believe how how sweet this chapter was and it's from spy family which is regularly very sweet <laughs> so i was like oh um so that's it for me yeah uh, the, the audience by the way agreed one piece and kuma as the character and chapter of the week good stuff now we're done for the year for yes. weekly manga recap this uh, is our final regular episode uh we are uh hopefully gonna have a bonus one ready to go soon but uh, other than that i mean like this is our last regular episode we are also off of having regular chapters next week but it'll be time for the annual manga recap then so we'll go over uh some of the stuff that happened this year some of the stuff that we covered and uh we'll see if nick remembers anything that happened at the beginning of this year uh i do not so (laughs) That's going to do it for us, guys. Um, By the way, again, just as a reminder, because we're doing the retrospective next week, this is a good opportunity to either join our Discord or mm-hmm. in lieu of joining our Discord, make sure you're following uh, our uh, Blue Sky accounts, essentially our Twitter accounts. Uh, those are now available without creating an account, so you should be able to view both of our accounts uh, without a Blue Sky account now. Uh, we are going to tweet out where uh, and when those polls will be available, or in the Discord, uh, there will be a notification that will sort of pop out to let you know. Uh, there are still some supplementary polls, I think, finishing up that are doing like eliminations to kind of narrow down finalists. Uh, but after that... This is going to be a great opportunity if you want to like say like what were your favorites this year? What are the ones you really want to stand out? You know, get that audience pick. Uh, that's the time to get in and get your vote in. So definitely make sure you're around our Discord or again uh, our Blue Sky accounts, which I believe are linked in the episode description. Are also I think that's just the same as what our Twitter accounts was, just pretty much on Blue Sky. Uh, and we want to thank uh, uh, Ninja Ninja X3i for organizing all that stuff uh, as ever, uh, doing stuff that we don't have the attention spans to, basically. Uh, thank you so much for that. There's going to be some fun times next time, especially in some of those sillier awards, which I do really like doing. Uh, we will have all that uh, available for you guys here on twitch.tv slash is where we'll stream it next week. Same time, same channel. Uh, 7.30-ish to 8 p.m. Eastern time is when we'll begin. You can check out our past episodes on weeklymongarecap.podbean.com, youtube.com slash weeklymongarecap, the podcasty type sources like iTunes and Spotify, uh, the video version of the show. We have an introduction that was wonderfully done and animated and scored for us by Wednesday Cheddar and Milo Jack Stillitz. Uh, and also, we occasionally get title cards done on those, which are done by Steve Mann, whose artwork you can check out wherever busty women can be found in illustrated form. I was going to say, uh, not everywhere. I mean, you can find them uh, a lot of places. You could find them at strip clubs. You could find them in the exit room of the Breast Augmentation Factory. Uh, I guess that's not what they call them, but, um, you know. Or at the entrance of the Breast Reduction Factory. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, another you got me there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> God, uh, feel bad about that one. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We will see you next week. 
Have a happy new year, everybody. Yeah. I don't have the time for the rest of it. Bye.